Is this one of those new Taste-O-Visions? No, if you'll excuse me, I need to pick at the seed. Did I just walk into a one-act play? I did not realize that this podcast was going to result in ethnic cleansing. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that sounds Canadian now. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are married. But only because you've never crossed me. <laughs> Absolutely never. Well, uh, our marriage is very young, Tom, so uh, yeah, we'll keep see. an eye out. Keep an eye out, is all I'm saying. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, we do have new, one new country to report this week. It is Guatemala. Ooh. So, bienvenidos. All right. Well, uh, we're going to keep things short here at the top, so we'll get back to telegrams from our cousins next week. And we're also going to be skipping Tom Repeat's history and fashion backwards today because we have two very exciting guests here with us. That's right. Joining us tonight are Red Scott and Ivan Hernandez of Boars, Gore, and Swords, a Game of Thrones podcast fame. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The Father Podcast is here to collect. <laughs> Give us our 10%. <laughs> that's We're, right. I'm taking that printer. <laughs> Good. I hate right. that printer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I was going to say, that is a terrible printer. And that, is yeah. about, that is about 10% probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm uh, going for mass, not, not value. <laughs> <laughs> I need 10% of every single thing in this apartment. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm bad at math, so Tom will help you with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but welcome. We're so excited to have you guys. Oh, yeah. So nice to be here. If you have not yet, please do check out their podcast, Boars, Gore, and Swords. You can yes. find it on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You can also find them through the various plugs I've put up on our Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so if you've been ignoring those systematically, uh, you should really get on that. But it's great. They just recap every uh, episode of Game of Thrones. They we- do a book club. Yeah. Yeah, we have we have recap every episode with hilarity. We have a book club. We have a Twitter feed. We have a street gang <laughs> that rivals the Crips. We're doing good work out there. What's the name of the gang? The Boys Going Swords. <laughs> we like to maintain our branding across okay. all venues. All right. No, no, no. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, these gentlemen are both comedians. So, do you guys have anything exciting uh, coming up that you would like to let our listeners know about? I have something very if in, in Sunnyvale, May May third through sixth. Okay, I'm going to be at one of the most solemn comedy clubs, the most <laughs> professional, the greatest, Rooster Tea Feathers <laughs> in Sunnyvale. Nothing to mock about that club. Named With, after uh, the famous comedic pioneer, Rooster Tea Feathers. <laughs> oh, that dude was fucking. Have you seen his impressions? <laughs> They're, they're incredible. His Herbert Hoover is just <laughs> unstoppable. But uh, I'll be there with Shang Wang. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And somebody I haven't heard of. <laughs> All right. so did not remember. <laughs> All right, cool. So that's May 3rd through 6th, 6th? at roosterteafeathers.com. So you have plenty of time to get to Sunnyvale, everybody. Mm, Listener right. in Guatemala, buy your ticket, get your passport in order. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you were horribly injured in the First World War, you probably have a thumb uh, <laughs> and should be able to make your way there in time. All yeah. right. And Ivan? I have a uh, bunch of one-nighters coming up. Uh, if you would like to check on all of my dates and come out and see me and enjoy my writings and stuff, go to IvanHernandez.net. I couldn't get the .com because there was a real estate agent who got there first. <laughs> yeah. But eventually I will destroy every other Ivan Hernandez and claim all of their URLs and the Highlander power, which is 
rightfully mine. <laughs> I was going to say, in this market, you're probably doing better financially than the real estate guy yeah. at this point. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. The, <laughs> lawyer, can... the lawyer got my last name, uh, so he, he uh, didn't appreciate my cease and desist. <laughs> 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 there was just a sheet of paper on which I had scrawled in magic marker. Quit it. Quit it. Come on. Quit it. <laughs> cease. Second paper. Desist. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh be sure and check all that stuff out i'm very glad to be here on this podcast as we did a downton abbey episode on on our own podcast yes but since we only did the first episode i couldn't extensively talk about all the things that were bothering me what the <laughs> fuck was with that weird prince what was he doing <laughs> what did he die of <laughs> did he die of just too many manners around him <laughs> he had like- sexual infant death syndrome <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that's what SIDS was for. <laughs> it's uh, our nation's darkest secret. Yeah. <laughs> that's the greatest thing about having a, a show from around this time. It's like, he could have died of anything. Nobody's going to no. know. And, well, I mean, we talked about last week. Nobody remembers his name. No. Like, at no point, from basically from the point that he dies, apart from, like, Mary and yeah. McGee for a little bit, everyone just calls him the Turkish gentleman. Mm, yeah. Like, you can't say Kamal. You can't say Pamuk. I just Pamuk. say Amal Pamuk. Farouk because that's the name of the Shadow King from the X-Men uh, <laughs> and he's the only Arab whose name I can remember. All right, okay. that and Yusef Islam. <laughs> I think he just had a bad case of the twenty-four hour AIDS. <laughs> yeah, there are theories that he went in the back door on that encounter. So, well, I'm sure there are theories. I'm sure there is slash fic about it. I'm there, sure. The theories were so persistent and so hotly contested that the Television Without Pity forum for this series. Oh. Had to have a moderator come in. And Wait, what say, is the name of the forum for the show? It's a like clearinghouse website, Television oh, okay, Without sorry. Pity. It used to be Mighty Big TV back gotcha. in the day, but they kind of pioneered snarky recaps. Mm-hmm. So they're like our great, 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 great granddaddy. Right. <laughs> um, but the moderator for that forum had to come in and say, "Stop debating about what happened between Mary and Pamuk. It doesn't matter if it was rape. It doesn't matter if it's consensual. It doesn't matter if he went in the front door, or the back door. It's been like a year and a half. Stop talking about it." <laughs> <laughs> Which I found hilarious. I was like, "All right, fair enough, moderator." Please tell me it was stickied. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, oh yes. Oh, that's amazing. It's yeah. They keep it at the top so that everybody coming in there—that's the first thing they read. No, because I saw it. Because that's like... the only thing anyone wants to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, yeah. there was like, hey, here's an Arab guy. Hey, he's doing some weird shit. Now he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> that happened in literally three minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think reading, watching that show now, you're like, we just have to talk about British people now. Yeah. Like that's that's way less exciting than talking about this dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows what series three will hold, apart from Shirley yeah. MacLaine, but... Yeah. What? That's the only confirmed... Th- yeah, Shirley MacLaine's in uh, well, season there's, three. Well, there's other, conf- well, kind of confirmed things, but we try not to... We yeah. try not to get ahead of ourselves oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Assuming that there's some poor soul who's, like, just now, like, getting through all this, but... <laughs> what? You never, you know, decades from now. We don't she, want to spoil it. She's replacing Carson. <laughs> That's right. Decades from now, when all recordings of Downton Abbey have been lost and all the people can reconstruct it from is this podcast, we don't want to give things away. I see you've been reading my 30-year plan again. <laughs> well, you know, we are going to later reincarnate. 
if Shirley MacLaine is correct. <laughs> so people are going to want to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Maybe just the four of us after we've reincarnated in yeah. new bodies. But still, it'll be somebody. That sounds fun. So let's make a date when we've all reincarnated. Guys, let's meet here 200 years from now. I, let's plan on meeting at the ground floor. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. This might be hard to get to. It might be a bit of a nuclear holocaust. Because, no, because I've, that- I've jumped directly to we're all just going to be heads. Like, a drama. Oh, oh, no. Guys. Uh, <laughs> I've really thought this through. The, okay, the singularity. <laughs> Look, I'm. I, this isn't a joke. So does that mean that this podcast Anyone is going to become sentient? 50. Anyone under the age of fifty is very likely to uh, see the singularity. At least that's what old Rick Kurtzwheel says. <laughs> <laughs> Him and his lotions, Rick Kurtzwheel and his series of lotions. You and Aubrey de Grey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're all going to be uh, immortal. Yeah, we're going to be immortal technology wizards. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's probably all starting with that Google, uh, Google display on your eye thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, glasses. I'm like, what is it called? You put it on your face. And <laughs> I you- really <laughs> hope I'll be able to get a prescription Google glasses. Yeah. Me too. I know. Yeah. Like, I'm like, how's it going to work? Wait, Kelly, have we switched glasses yet? No. Maybe we should do it in a format that's Can- not audio. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I always like doing it because everyone sounds like they're tripping when they wear my glasses. I put your glasses on once at the stud, but I yep. might have been wearing my contacts. But oh, I don't know if okay. you put on mine. We can do All it right. after the podcast. All right. We can put it in the after hour special. <laughs> the bonus show. It's <laughs> called Downstairs, Downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So should we start recapping? Yes. This, yeah, is, a, this yeah, is a thick yeah. episode. Yeah. A lot happened. Yeah. It took me so long, so long to figure out everything that happened. Uh, the amount of preparation that is happening below my eyes is amazing. I am glad that it's here for you. For people listening, she actually has wood carvings of every scene. <laughs> this, is, this is incredible. Yeah, fully storyboarded. I, uh, I have a lot of free time on my hands, and yeah. I took a wood carving class in fifth grade. I thought she, I thought she was going to make an imitation of the 1920s Sunset Magazine, but no. <laughs> it would have been the Daily Sketch, if yeah. anything. Yeah. Well, we open with the the opening credits. I was reminded about how much I love that dog. That's the first <laughs> oh, thing they show. The best. That's the best. And it's like every every time I watch the show, I'm just like so excited. Like, oh, is this going to be the one about the dog? Is this going to be the one where they're like, we have no medicine? I guess we have to chop his head off. Like, <laughs> Isn't that, that an episode of The Walking Dead? <laughs> probably. <laughs> I assume so. Oh, was it terribly written? Then yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> was well, every character unlikable? Then yeah. yes, it was. Yeah. Then it might have been The Walking Dead. I really like when Mary says, we're just going to have to live with it, which is the most English attitude towards anything. Yeah. Look, we're yeah. just going to repress our emotions and feelings about this and continue keeping on. Yes, as as the two of them expressionlessly, she's, she's wheeling Matthew across the grounds and he's saying, oh, I can wheel myself and she'll be the judge of that. And, you know, they're both... Trading, you know, responsibility for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like that Matthew's honest because he says that he, he can't stop thinking about William and uh, he wishes yeah. that he were here, not instead of me. Not not, <laughs> I'm so happy to be alive, even in my diminished form. I mean, he is a lower caste than I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, and I, I think I speak for the Downton Abbey audience in its entirety when I say we're glad it was you that survived and not yeah. William. Mm-hmm. Because he was... I had really me. had enough of his puffy face. Yeah. Like, sorry, Ashley Judd, that is a really unattractive <laughs> puffy face. I, I was really worried that he was going to start a late night talk show uh, <laughs> on NBC. Yeah. That he was going to take over for Johnny Carson, and we would all be in real trouble at that point. <laughs> that chin needed to be heard. Yeah. 
Uh, I actually had to do one of the things that I hate doing, which is spoiling myself so that I could be prepared in anticipation for this podcast. Because I only saw up until Series 2, Episode 3, and now suddenly half the cast is dead or disfigured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, 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 what happened to Lord Grantham? He has a cybernetic arm now. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Sybil? Oh, you don't want to know what happened. <laughs> so you really earned that printer then. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So it hasn't gone unnoticed that Mary and Matthew are gallivanting out on the lawn, in as much as Matthew can gallivant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sir Richard Carlyle is spying on them through the window. Oh, you mean Sir Richard Carlyle? Yeah, Sir Richard Carlyle. No, no I mean Sir Jorah Mormont. Who <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you want to know who Sir Jorah Mormont is, you should watch Game of Thrones and then yeah. listen yeah. to Boris Gorin's Swords. Right. Game, Game of Thrones is just like Downton Abbey, except yeah. the incest is more pronounced and there are about 50% more decapitations. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I think they're actually excellent companions because like, I understand the breaches of etiquette much better on Game of Thrones now that I've seen Downton Abbey. <laughs> so anyway... Carlyle asks Lord Grantham if he should be jealous because Mary's spending all of her time with her cousin, who he presumably knows right. was engaged to her at one time. Uh, Lord Grantham doesn't say anything, but his face says, I wish. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> then he catches sight of his beloved Isis and completely forgets what they were talking about, Isis being the dog that you're such oh, fans of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I, 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 we have this, ma- we have these wood carvings. <laughs> and, uh, and when I, every time I read Isis, I was like, are we recapping Archer? Oh, happy day. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm sure that podcast real estate was snatched up long ago. You're in the man. danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Carlisle said that he and Mary are going to go look at Haxby Park, which is yeah. an estate near Downton. Uh, Edith chimes in because apparently she's been there. Mm. Because, yeah. you know, that's how she just sneaks in. She's like a ninja, a really ugly ninja. She was there signing out a book. Turns out the Russells, the owners of Haxby Park, are selling their estate, and Carlisle wants to buy it. And Lord Grantham uh, goes through the motions of moaning about the Russells having been the Crawley's neighbors for centuries, blah, 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 the wheels of progress. You know, if you're that upset about it, you could sell Downton to move next door to them wherever they're going. <laughs> Whatever hovel <laughs> yeah. they happen to be inhabiting right now. But Carlisle points out that the Russells aren't there anymore, so maybe we should all like move on. Yeah, this was some excellent condescending to new mm-hmm. money, where like Lord Grantham <laughs> doesn't even like realize that he's being an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of that in this episode, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of Richard Carlisle. I mean, he's yeah. the new money, and Matthew well, and Isabel and kind of are. So, is it required that every sentence that Carlisle speaks ends in money? <laughs> a lot of it is money focused. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I, I was just—I just got away from counting my money to go yeah. buy some stuff with my money. He's the—he's the Scrooge McDuck of Downton Abbey. Yeah, I, I think. I feel like they have translated what he is actually saying into what the British people are hearing. <laughs> <laughs> like he's probably just saying something really normal. He's like, "Oh, I checked out that house next door. Did you see the for sale sign? Uh-huh. You know." And they just translate in that and say, "I am going above my cast." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and Lord Grantham and Edith try to talk him out of going and checking out the house, but uh, then he starts boasting about how he's going to update the house with central heating and yeah. modern kitchens, which to me, I'm like, marry me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's going to put in that system where you can like play your iPod in any room of the house. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> which I always like hotels better than my house. Like, yeah. All my stuff's not there, but somebody cleans up after yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Although I guess that's their life like all the time. Also, yeah, that's true. I feel a lot less guilty about doing some really heinous masturbation. 
<laughs> this is your problem, Imelda. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this five dollar tip I'm leaving you. My name is Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. <Yeah. laughs> Not while you work for yeah, me. Exactly. <laughs> If you're cleaning up my jizz, you're living under my rules. <laughs> By the way, can we say that on this podcast? I didn't check to make sure that we could swear and say terrible. Yes, yes. you can, except don't say the c word because oh, okay. I don't want to. I don't want to send anyone for their smelling salts. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was. Uh, I should mention on our podcast, I naively hadn't watched much of it, and I instituted a rule early on that we could only use what curse words. We're used within <laughs> the Game of Thrones universe. So you universe. guys learned new curse words. Right, yeah, then. yeah. No. They, they, and then they, like, I was almost halfway through the sentence when Cersei dropped three C-words in a row. <laughs> and then showed her C-word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then tried to shove Jeff, Joffrey back into it. So that didn't work out quite the way I intended. So yes, I was try to keep it cleaner. <laughs> Except for the jizz. <laughs> You know, it's, well, that's Imelda's job. It's yeah. tagged as explicit. It's our good, listener's good. fault if they. All right, then I can say anything Jay Z says. And <laughs> mom, I really hope you have never listened to this at uh-huh. all. <laughs> at all. Major Clarkson comes into the library, uh, announced by Carson. He says that he's had a request from Patrick Gordon, a <laughs> Canadian major with Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry, which is just a great name. <laughs> um, and he says he's got a connection with the family and thus would like to be transferred to Downton. Yeah, so what? suddenly Major Clarkson, who spent literally every episode of the second season up until now telling the Granthams, oh, we can't do special treatment. I don't listen to you. I don't take orders from you. And like suddenly he's like, oh, hey, is this okay? Well, I think he finally was just like, you know what? If you're going to break the rules, I'm just going to start inviting crackpots to, this, to, to the Abbey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. week. Just whatever crazy person writes a letter to me, I'm like, yeah, come on over. Mm-hmm. Well, he's playing a prank on them by making them have to interact with a Canadian. Mm, that's <laughs> so a what, good point. What was the name of the infantry? Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. They say that later, and I honestly thought it was like they were implying he was gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's what the, oh, every gay Canadian should refer to themselves. <laughs> I'm in Princess Patricia's Light yeah, Infantry. Because Patrick later says, like, maybe he's just in Princess Patricia's, and I was just like, is that like a thing that they say? Instead of like just like tilting their hand from side to side, <laughs> or, maybe it should be. I I don't know. Yeah, it just reminded me of an old Girl Scout camp song. So it's an actual thing, Patricia's. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, Princess yeah. Patricia's. Yeah, yeah. Presumably there was a Princess Patricia. Yeah, I she, doubt she was involved though. No, I doubt she led them or. Yeah, she just yelled, "I want an army named after me," mm-hmm. and they gave it to her. Yeah, mm-hmm. Veruca Salt style. Yeah. Down in the servants' hall, Jane is talking to Anna, and she says she's never worked in a house where a valet and a housemaid were married. And, uh, yeah, okay, great. No yeah. one cares. I, I feel bad for Jane in this episode, actually, because I feel like she keeps trying to, like, make just, like, polite conversation with yeah. everybody, but there's all this emotional baggage <laughs> right, yeah. attached to every single person. So she thinks she's asking a perfectly innocent question. So can I ask her, what's the, what, what are the votes at the table as to whether or not she actually had a, a husband who was a soldier? <laughs> oh, you think it's going to be a, uh, a twist where she's just been having a phantom 12-year-old? <laughs> no, no, no. I think she actually has a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just assumed that the story was made up. Yeah. 
I mean, I've never doubted that she did. Yeah, she. Had, oh, really? She says uh, she keeps saying like she's hanging out at the club for all of the uh, war widows. She's got that access to that pension. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying she's yeah. not doing an excellent job at fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, not everyone's a Patrick Gordon. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I never, I never suspected. No, her. They, they hint at it very strongly. Because because, well, the, because because they never produce any evidence of him, but when uh, I, I don't remember the head maid's name, Mrs. Hughes, Mrs. Hughes uh, says says to the other girl who had the kid out of wedlock. Oh, at Bastard House. At Bastard yeah. House, and it's like the difference is we believe her story, yeah. and I was like mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think you're alone on this, but there oh, might be a small okay. contingent out there that shares wow. your suspicions of Jane. This is the second thing I would talk about after the Turkish gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Whether Jane's a big fat liar. Well, I will stand down then. <laughs> can, can I just? I love. I love. Uh, I know you hate him, but Bates is so cool. What? <laughs> Bates when he, is great. When he has that line. When, uh, when he has that line. No, th- look, we've always been such pals. Every, every, so well delivered. It is. Every time bait, I, I miss a line in the show, it's because I was imagining myself high-fiving Bates. Yeah. <laughs> you're being fooled. You, you're coming in, and in this, his first line of the episode, or his first scene of the episode, is him being great. Right. Which he, he did that for a little bit in the first season. Like the, He's got that potential, mm. but most of the time, it's just... Like it's a know. long con. Okay. <laughs> you just you just hate that he's always like falling down on his sword for his pals ah. and just constantly and literally being falling selfless. down. So <laughs> yes. noble, so noble. Yeah, I just I don't I don't think it's admirable. Oh, it However, definitely. it's good that you're here because there's plenty of people who write to us and they love Bates. Yeah, oh, Bates. And, so we'll, uh, it'll be good to have. They have a healthy appreciation for our Bates hate, but <sighs> uh, they'll be glad to have some allies. Yeah, because so. we we really are probably in the minority. Yeah, yeah, we hate Bates more than I think anyone else who watches this show. <laughs> Possibly because we've watched it so often. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, no, I I he does, but he does get some great zingers in. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I do have respect for the zingers. Understated zingers are the best. <laughs> yeah. All right. As long as you like his material. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you don't Bates- have to like his stage persona. <laughs> <laughs> So Bates said that to O'Brien because she's worried that if Bates and Anna get married, it's going to ruin the downstairs uh, oh, rapport. God. Fucking O'Brien. Like, <laughs> the only emotion that lady, like, has, it, it's just shit and malice. Yeah. <laughs> shit and malice and nothing else. I, I've never hated a character so much that I hated their hairstyle. Yeah. Like, I was just like, ugh, I've it's never a, even looked at that's hair That's a before. really bad hairstyle. Yeah. Like, I know. As hairstyles go, it's horrible. I think, I think that she's the Samson of bitchiness. Like, I think it's like, <laughs> If, if you, you cut her bangs. if you cut those off, she'd start working for an orphanage. Just not even not even for profit. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't go to one of those for profit orphan mills. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of money orphanages. Well, this was the time where they were putting children to work. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. want to start a for profit orphan mill? Yeah, there's pro- there's probably I bet. Of the six billion people on the planet, like like where five where billion, do you think the Granthams got their money in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds like a new investment opportunity for Richard Carlyle. Carlyle, <laughs> yeah, that's true. he doesn't have many scruples. Mm-hmm. No. So Daisy walks in and just like throws a tea tay on the table and then walks away all crazy. Right. To me, I read this as her walking in, everybody stopping their conversation and looking at her, and then she threw down the tree tray and walked away because. 
like her job like if you're gonna stop your conversation every time she walks in somewhere carrying something that's her entire job <laughs> the places carrying things to me everybody else is being awkward she was just trying to like cart shit around that that was how i read it okay I I think <laughs> all I know is she's being a real bitch about being forced to marry a dying soldier. <laughs> hey, have a military pension. Like that's I I would sign up for that. I would, <laughs> I would have held William's hand. She, she just uh, has to lie to a dying man. Yeah. That's yeah. all. She lacks moral complexity. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that is a safe statement about Daisy. Right. She she sees everything in black and white, like the white of her skin and the black of her armband. Yeah. And uh, you know, she's having just a hard time coping with it. Anna says that they should give her time. So is the armband for mourning or is she just straight edge? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no word on if she's ever nicked any wine from Carson's wine cellar. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, this true. remains to be seen. Down at Crawley House, Isabella is wondering if they're doing enough for Matthew and all the other soldiers. McGee says, well, they'll all be leaving soon. It'll be somebody else's problem, which is how McGee has always seen them. Because the war is nearly over, apparently. Uh, it's only a matter of weeks or days. They had the, the Battle so, of Vittoria Veneto. I, I have a question. We knocked that pointy helmet right off the Kaiser's head. <laughs> So I have a question about McGee. Is she a terrible actress, or is she doing an impression of what she thinks British people are like? This has been addressed, and what she's—I mean, her character is. It? Her, <laughs> we've gotten we've gotten people have written to us. About There's this. an ongoing debate. Yeah. Um, her character. Stop doing your McGee face. <laughs> I thought you were doing an impression of Tom. I was like, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> No, look, I watched some of her old performances, and she was never that great of an actress. Her voice always had kind of a funky edge to it. It did. (laughs) And I don't know. And, you know. Well, see, her character is an American that moved to Britain a long time ago. Which is why that was my secondary theory. Because she she is an American Mm. that moved to Britain a long time ago. And apparently, what somebody wrote to us was that now, as opposed to her older performances that we've watched, in person, in real life, she does have a weird-sounding accent now, just as McGee does. My so. theory is that either Elizabeth McGovern or McGee has had a full frontal lobotomy. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I guess partial if she retained the ability to speak. Yeah, but just, and make yeah. bitch faces. Yeah, something's <laughs> just, like, not right. But. Yeah, I mean, we do think that she's damaged. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, she did have to go to England to get married. She <laughs> did give a weird British family her fortune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems like a poor choice. Yeah. We'll see what Shirley MacLaine has Boy, to say Boy, this it. soon-to-be obsolete agrarian lifestyle seems like a solid investment. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure Yahoo's still not around? <laughs> Oh, so we know that it's late October slash early November. Right. I think probably late October, mm. which does not explain why Mary and Matthew were running around on the lawn with no coats on. Right. Or like, throughout the rest of the episode. Yeah, nobody wears a coat. And it's, like, cold out. Yeah. I mean, this is Yorkshire. This is way northern England. It would it would be really cold. Oh, like, there's just a servant with a, a, a flaming torch off screen at all times. <laughs> yeah, but that has only just a very limited radius of heat. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why there's eight servants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're uh, just pointing a cone. They're just, they've got a bunch of torches inside of a cone, and they're just pointing all the heat towards them. <laughs> or maybe it's that famous British dislike of uh, comfort yeah. coming oh, yeah. back again. So oh, yeah. they, they, They've reached the point where the only thing that's comfortable the, to them is being uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. In both their personal interactions and uh, the temperature of the area they're mm-hmm. in. Right. Yeah. It's science. <laughs> Isabel 
wants to continue meddling with their house uh, and wants feels that Downton should be useful again and they shouldn't just go back to their old way of life, which is changing clothes, killing things, and eating them. Yeah. Which... I've, just, I've decided I think my new theory about her, Isabel has Asperger's syndrome. <laughs> because she can't seem to read anyone's facial expressions. <laughs> they might as well have written backwards on their forehead in front of a mirror, like, let's get rid of this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Because yeah. both the Dowager Countess and McGee in this scene are like, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Like, we're not that nice. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. Are, we really only did the because like you made us. They're even doing the sarcastic nice voice. We're like, oh, we really think you're going to have such a great time. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Dowager Countess asks Molesley for some reason what he thinks he's about. He's such a fountain of opinion. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, comb overs. And he's yeah. just like <laughs> the only opinion he has is I want to get into Anna's pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's even too forceful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want to I want, I want Anna to read my book that I gave mm-hmm. him. Yeah. <laughs> The book just had like a drawing of his penis on the front <laughs> inside front cover. No, when are you going to read it? Just try to open the cover, please. It's it's barely a quarter page worth of content. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's why I objected to the book club so quickly. Like, oh. Yeah, I was like, oh, no, no supposed just, to see that for no, your eyes yeah. only. That is a novel theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and Molesley uh, is very diplomatic about it, and he says. He doesn't really have an opinion. He just mostly like to keep his job. Yeah. And Isabel assures McGee and the Dowager Countess that servants are always more conservative than their employers. Everyone knows that. She's obviously never run into Branson when he's on one of his tirades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back somewhere, we don't know where, a mangled hand grabs a picture frame as the plinky piano music from Are You Afraid of the Dark Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we see that the hand belongs to a dude with lots of bandages on his head. Oh, oh you mean the Phantom of the Abbey? That? <laughs> I have that written down. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Edith sneaks up on him and scares him, just like she scares everyone by saying hello. <laughs> the hand drops the picture. Oh, oh God, where did you come from? <laughs> Standing right there in front of me. Be gone, foul beast! <laughs> So she introduces herself, and he knows that she is Lady Edith and also the second daughter. And she informs him that she's in charge of non-medical welfare. Wow, now that Ethel was fired. (laughs) (laughs) So he comes closer, revealing that he looks like a cross between Quasimodo and the Elephant Man. Uh, So harsh. I'm not very nice. (laughs) He asks if she knows that the two of them are related. She says yes, and is actually more unsettled by that question than she was by his appearance, which right. I think is you know like plus Ugh. ten for Edith. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's like I didn't I didn't think we had it in us to be related to crippled people. Like first <laughs> first Matthew, now this. <laughs> it's a brave new world. So he says that he thought that she would recognize his voice, although he sounds Canadian now. Uh, apparently, they met a long time ago, which he doesn't. No, just, like, he, he sounds like a British actor doing a terrible, flat American accent. Yeah. Like, that's all he sounds like. Yeah. I've Which, met Canadians. You know, good try. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're very good at I mean, I the international like, phonetic alphabet. It wowed he, people in his Cambridge production of something American. I don't know what's yeah. American. Our town? Yeah, sure. He's from Idolos, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the way he tried to really Canadian it up by mentioning, you know, maple syrup <laughs> and uh, the Leafs. Na- National Hockey League yeah. Yeah. and also the Weapon X program. <laughs> You're your mainstays of Canada. Yeah. yeah. He was like, hey, hey, have you read the new Alpha Flight? <laughs> 
But she's like, I don't, I'm not familiar. Yeah. We, we God, forgot- it's been forever since I've seen a Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot to introduce the Ivan references X Men drinking game at the top of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's two so far. Uh, yes. Oh, God, I didn't even realize. <laughs> So, you know, if you haven't yet, get out your flasks, everybody, yeah. and take two hits right now. We'll wait. Canadian club. Look, guys, I'm going to recite the entirety of Grant Morrison's new X-Men run. I hope you're ready for <laughs> Phantom X. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Sybil conveniently calls Edith away before she can find out where she met this mysterious, young, uh, malformed man. <laughs> and the piano kicks in again. So I'm sure that's the last we'll hear of this. Okay. <laughs> then down in the kitchen... Jane is trying to explain to Daisy her benefits that she gets as a war widow. And Daisy says, oh, I'm not a war widow. I was only married for six six or seven hours. And that she shouldn't have taken his name except that that's what William wanted, which is true because now her name is Daisy Mason, which is dumb. That almost rhymes. I know. I don't like it. So do we know, like, is there any obvious war widow benefit besides just the money? Pension. You get to hang out in a super cool club to discuss your dead husband with other widows. That's you know, the, it's just the best time. <laughs> I mean, you've got a you've got a good story to tell people. Okay. To, well, I mean, there's probably like you know networking and like you can like find out about like jobs and yeah. things like yeah. that. You, you know, I mean, like, you get to point at your vagina and go, "The man who used to live here is dead. <laughs> <laughs> he died for you." Yes. I just was but she doesn't even get to do that. Then you get to consummate it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, which is good for Daisy because she didn't. Yeah. yeah. She that doesn't would not like make any her of that. Any happier yeah. at this point. Yeah, no, I was just wondering if she got some other, like, you know, password to his Netflix account. Oh, <laughs> uh, I bet it's so boring. I bet it's all friends. <laughs> I wish people liked me. <laughs> I wish I had a pet monkey. <laughs> if only that Mr. Pamuk had brought one. Oh, man, this guy Gunther knows what's up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Mrs. Patmore continues her futile attempt to get days to feel better about things yeah. uh, which is never going to work I do like the acting from Daisy in this episode because she finally kind of has something to play like yeah. she's actually allowed to be angry and not just afraid all the time right yeah yeah she she just she kind of has a very like emo you know how teenagers are when you get them to marry yeah no I do I do just keep envisioning her just like stomping up the stairs and slamming the door to her bedroom <laughs> except that she probably shares it with like six mystery servants yeah. so right. it's not really as effective yeah she slams the door her head pops up going stop being so dramatic I'm trying to sleep <laughs> <laughs> Up in the only room in the mansion that is decorated worse than Lady Mary's room with the creepy red flocked wallpaper. This appears to have, like, just velvet red drapes everywhere. This is to let you know that Carlisle is evil. (laughs) Just in case anybody was confused, what with his suspicions about the crippled Matthew. Uh, So he dismisses his valet, who's named Brooks. I don't know if that's going to matter later, but that's his name. Good. Carson comes in. And he goes off to manufacture bicycle seats. (laughs) And to marry uh, Meg in Little Women. Yes. Carlisle tells Carson, who takes over putting on his jacket and brushing off his shoulder. Because I imagine this is just compuls- compulsive yeah. for Carson at this point. Just He sees a jacket, he puts it on, and he just starts brushing. Yeah. Like, I didn't. I was going to go to sleep, Carson. Yeah. I don't know for sure. <laughs> Not to worry, my lord. Yeah. Sorry, just He's just a big fan of the song Dirt Off Your Shoulder. <laughs> Constantly wiping dirt off your shoulder. If you if you watch, he's humming to himself anytime he's not talking. Get that dirt off your shoulder. Get that dirt off your shoulder. So Carlisle tells Carson he's offering him a job as the butler of Haxby Park when he uh, p- 
pisses on the uh, legacy of the Russells <laughs> and purchases Russells. it. But he knows that Mary thinks very highly of Carson, and he would like to uh, surprise her with a gift of a butler, which is a great gift. I think that's the 10th anniversary, so start <laughs> saving. Uh, but Carson wants to know uh, if Lady Mary is aware of this offer, and she's not, obviously, because no. it's a surprise. Also, did Richard Carlyle mention that he has lots of money in this oh, scene? He, oh, wait, because... he, has, he has enough money to please himself, by which I mean he is jerking off with shillings. <laughs> Ow, God. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. When you love money that much to do harm to yourself, hey, that's if, true love. If Scrooge McDuck can swim in it, it's liquid enough to jerk off with. <laughs> Uh, up yours downstairs does not officially condone the use of coins <laughs> for any sort of anything except for paying for uh, goods and services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I just say, how great was the stiff chest competition in this scene? Oh, just yeah. two dudes pointing their chest directly at each other at like parallel angles. I think Carson uh, wins, though, because his sticks out farther. Yeah. And also because he did such a good job not vomiting when he mentioned money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or how many acres he was buying. <laughs> yeah, he kept it down admirably. He, uh, yeah. he plays it very cool and says uh, he awaits Lady Mary's instruction. So yeah. he's not gonna he's not gonna play this weird surprising money game. Yeah. with uh, Sir Richard. Yeah. And to be honest, your Carson, what would you possibly do with money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we he I, never even went to the fair. Does he pay for his own clothes? According to our research, there are, I think, two sets of clothes that are furnished for the house. Yeah, that's all he needs. Yeah. I mean, because I've never seen him leave it. I think well, he's gone down to the village maybe one time. Yeah, one time when the cheerful Charlie guy showed right, up. Right, yeah. the cheerful Charlie guy. See, the one guy. time he left the house, his old vaudeville partner turns up, and he's never going to leave <laughs> right. again. Never yeah, again. that one time, he went to the strip club, and he started making it rain. <laughs> Shillings. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Now I can go up once every 15 years instead of <laughs> once every 30. <laughs> the Dowager Countess is walking. I guess they've been having dinner or something because she's leaving with Lord Grantham and Big G are walking around. She says she doesn't dislike Carlisle. She, does, she just doesn't like him. <laughs> it's quite different. Oh, yeah. God damn that Dame Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And Lord Grantham complains about his horrible plans to modernize Haxby with central heating and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, which Cora says that she is American and she doesn't have this English dislike for comfort. Yeah. Which, this is a great episode for McGee. Right. Like, yeah. we so didn't, ha- we didn't call one this week, but this season we call a uh, character ceasefire. Uh. Every episode, there's one person we don't give shit to. Uh, and we waived that in light of you guys being here. We don't want to limit your creativity. <laughs> right. But man, like, if we were going to call one, we liked her so much this episode. We were like, yeah! Get it. So, Mick, uh, why hasn't there been a scene where like Mick G and Carlisle get together and talk about American things? <laughs> like, well, he's not American. Uh, no, no. Carlisle. Wait, am I thinking of the wrong guy? No. What the fuck is he? He's, he's Scottish. Yeah, he's from Edinburgh. That's a Scottish accent in this yeah. show. Not actually. I That's mean, what passes for a Scottish accent in this show. He's a Scottish guy who's trying to move up in the ranks of society, so he's yeah. probably oh. tamped it down well, consciously. I, I take back every. This is all speculation. I take back every good thought I've had about them. Anytime <laughs> a Scot tries to get out of his cast, I'm firmly against that. <laughs> is this just part of uh, your clan rivalry? <laughs> yeah. Look, he's not. A good people. <laughs> that he belongs to. 
They're just inherently yeah, bad. Yeah, they're just the scum people, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and if they're going to rise up, I think we should all uh, get together, place our shoes on his forehead, <laughs> and stand on him. With <laughs> our feet s- still in them? Yes. Or do we step into the shoes after they're on his head? I, I think you know that would hurt more. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, get a ladder. <laughs> we can all just jump on his head together. I did not realize that this podcast was going to result in ethnic cleansing. Yeah. <laughs> you I, did once say uh, you wanted to wipe Scotland off of the face of the earth. I didn't realize Scotland qualified as a people. <laughs> I, is this what? Is this what? What is the origin of this? I, yeah, yeah, they don't qualify as a people because they're inhuman animals, right? right inhuman I mean, yeah. monsters. I, I contact with Scots. What else do you need? <laughs> I mean, have you ever met a Scot? God, have you ever hung out with Billy Connolly? He's the worst. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, well, I'm curious look, to hear what our listeners are. You, in, are you going to uh, pick it? Pixar's brave. Look, <laughs> a, a golfing or drinking? Sign me up. It sounds like a good time. But otherwise. A newspaper, God, just I can't even imagine <laughs> what he's infiltrating people's minds. You think that with. they can read, right? <laughs> you think they did? You thought they didn't have the I, capacity? I have seen no evidence that he can. <laughs> uh, I've said that people he hired can write. That's all I know. <laughs> God, are we going to have to pull off the episodes that Caitlin Gill is on Boar's Corn Swords? Uh, no, she's good. She's one of the good ones. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> she she's like uh, she's like like Fritz Lang. <laughs> was Hitler's How would she like Fritz Lang? Listen, I really want to hear this. Hey, this hey, thing. listen. Uh, before this goes any farther, <laughs> as we do have plenty of Scottish listeners. In fact, well, no, I believe. Really... Uh, <laughs> let's um. No, you mean Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we mean Kevin McKidd of the Clan McKidd. Oh, okay. I wish. <laughs> Uh, yes, so what, money? Carlisle has money. Is that where we were? <laughs> where were we? Uh, er, about how uh, Lord Grantham was complaining they're going to modernize. Look, this show, I'm sure, is peopled with folks <laughs> who share your hatred of the Scots. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go back and listen to his accent for a while and just figure out <laughs> what's going on there. <laughs> I know, I'm just I'm blown away so by So we're going to do that now. Okay. <laughs> we can all just hang no, tight. No, go, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> Go ahead, just ignore the Scottish guy. Um, yes. In any case, Cora is complaining herself, not about the presence of Scots, but about Isabel and her plan. She has a plans for public works for Downton that stretch all the way into 1920. Ooh. Yeah. So. It's uh, two years from now. From um, then. Right. Right. So, so 30 minutes later. <laughs> right. Exactly. In this show. Two scene changes later. Yeah. <laughs> The Dowager Countess suggests that they find a project that will allow Isabel to be an even bigger martyr than da- than Downton. Right. Jane is walking them out and puts Maggie Smith's coat on her and makes eye contact with Lord Grantham, and they have an awkward moment together. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Miss that. Yeah, it happens. It's weird. Okay. Downstairs, Bates is telling Anna he's got the decree Nicey? I think it's Nisi, and this Nisi? is... Nisi Nash? When you, when you get... When you get a divorce in Britain, and I believe this is still true today, it's issued as a decree nisi, which means decree and less. Uh, and it says the divorce will be final in six months unless the court hears reason otherwise that it should not be made final. Yeah. So it means that if they last out the six months, it'll be final and they just have to wait till then. 
Anyway, Anna says that Bates can't be sure that it's all going to be fine because uh, this is Vera Bates we're talking about. Yeah, right. Six months is a long time. Yeah. Uh, For O'Brien, the devil. Do you know how many <laughs> bottles she could destroy in that time? <laughs> <laughs> O'Brien tries to butt in and ask what they're not sure about. And this is uh, kind of the beginning of O'Brien making no sense for the rest of this episode. Yeah. Nothing she does has any impact on the plot. She doesn't She's just seem there to eavesdrop and bitch face. This is really, yeah. her, this is really her greatest episode, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. This is really the best I have seen of her. I They're mean, just look, like, what if O'Brien only had reaction shots for yeah. an entire yeah. episode? F- a few close-ups on her hair, if any. <laughs> I mean, I, I was on cloud nine. <laughs> so uh, Jane, ever the diplomat, changes the subject and asks Thomas what he's planning to do after the war. Mrs. Patmore tells him, with a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, everyone should be hoarding because the rationing is really starting to bite. Uh, apparently she barely got enough sugar for the week. And he asks if she's suggesting that he get into the black market. And she's all like, oh, well, I never. Uh, but I definitely want to watch the Mrs. Patmore episode of Hoarders. <laughs> yeah. really enjoy It's that. just meat pies. Yeah. Meat pies everywhere. <laughs> There's got to be somebody on Hoarders what? who looks pretty much like her. Mm-hmm. I've got to keep yeah. him for Archie Philpott's in case he comes home. <laughs> By so, the way, uh, when uh, she asked Thomas what he's going to do after the war... He just puts his tongue on the inside of his cheek and mimes giving a BJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, she did know that he wasn't a ladies' man, so yeah. presumably he's told somebody. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm surprised he didn't say, screw something over. <laughs> Get back to screaming. So screw something over. <laughs> <laughs> and over and over. <laughs> and he just moved his head side to side for like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> in, some darkened, in some darkened corner... Mrs. Hughes is handing Ethel her weekly horror ration, um, <laughs> and uh, she asks her who's watching the baby. It's her neighbor, and the neighbor has also loaned Ethel her bike. I'm not sure why this is happening up at the house instead of down in Bassard yeah. House, where this usually takes place. Mrs. Hughes says she couldn't get away because uh, okay. there were too many people in the house. My theory was that uh, because she had a bastard, she's only allowed to leave the house when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so she, she sees Ethel off and then comes back in and... There's Carson. She's busted. The whole th- Carson knows it's over now. Yeah. They now- cut away just before he slaps her. <laughs> <laughs> we see McGee and Lord Grantham walking down the main staircase, and McGee says she can't help Lord Grantham because she's very busy. She's losing two nurses, has to arrange the roster. Yeah. Edith and Mary and Sybil are all busy. Uh, and it turns out the thing he needs help with is that he just can't stand to eat luncheon by himself. <laughs> like, what a fucking baby. Like... <laughs> You have this whole giant house, and you can't just eat lunch by yourself? Like, this is like a sitcom plot. (laughs) Well, it's like, you know how amazingly pathetic it is to eat at a restaurant by yourself? Mm -hmm. Which is something that I still do. Uh Imagine that, but like, your own home is the restaurant. (laughs) That's how it is every day. I don't know. I would kind of like it, not dealing with everybody. Yeah. Just concentrating on my food. (laughs) Anyway, I think you should just put ISIS in a dress. This is my solution to all of Lord Grantham's problems. Just put ISIS in a dress. Yeah. She'll eat lunch with you. (laughs) She will. McGee will never know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's our fourth daughter. (laughs) Already number three on the look scale. You see, I don't even think she's ugly, but being around you, I just pick it up. We uh, we like to make fun of Ethel. Yeah. Ethel, eat it. Edith. God, Edith. you know, I went for like 
three episodes without doing that, and <laughs> yeah. now it's been ruined. The worst is uh, the, the the show we cover. There's a character named Catelyn of all fucking things. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. And so I finally got to where I would say Catelyn every time I saw that name, and then we had a guest named Caitlin, yeah. and my head exploded. <laughs> I, just I just couldn't handle it's it. It's true. It's just his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> the top, gone. Yeah, just gone. It's hideous. It's just like Chamber from Generation X. <laughs> three, three for three. That was a deep pull, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God. He's got X-Men up to his elbow right now. <laughs> Look, we all know who I chose in Avengers versus X-Men. <laughs> We next get to see the fabled Haxby Park. Mm, Um, Mary remarks on how empty it is. And gorgeous. Yeah. I don't know what she's being all despondent about. They all talk about it like it's like half collapsed or something Yeah, Lord Grantham says it wasn't comfortable. I'm like, uh, I would sleep on that carpet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I have no qual. I'll squat in that place. Yeah. (laughs) It's got way more, it's way more attractive than their stupid ass. Yeah. Yeah, Downton Abbey just looks like a, you know, like a really lazy Lego house. It looks like, (laughs) it it looks like if Bangers and Mash were a house. You're just like once in a while, but that you know. That sounds just delicious. The fish and chips of architecture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this has got some columns. It's got yeah. some things going upward. I, f- I felt godly. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, when uh, Mr. Carlisle uh, yeah. says he's going to fill the house with uh, photographs, I just imagine it's just going to be like rows and rows of like stock photos. <laughs> <laughs> just like Victorian people playing with like a, a, a dog in black and white. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like that's probably how Mary feels too because yeah. she yeah. makes that comment about uh, your lot buys things, my lot inherits them. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. like, oh, did somebody paint that for you? <laughs> yeah, at which point Carlisle politely does not say, yes, however, you ain't inheriting shit, so maybe you should shut up because she's not. Yeah, I, I, ne- I never understand that. I never understood the British people who like don't make the connection that one of their relatives got the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do do they assume if you go back far enough in history, like that family killed another family for that painting? Possibly. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the only honorable way. They have to pay the iron price. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fine with Carlisle furnishing his house via duels. That would be <laughs> that'd be a way more exciting episode than. Uh, Thomas getting persnickety. Yeah. <laughs> there has been a significant lack of non-sexual dueling in the show. <laughs> Carlisle tries to sell her on the place. He says, shall we give this house another chapter? And Mary says, well, I suppose one has to live somewhere. <laughs> Least romantic house hunting scene of all time. Yeah. Fine. I guess I'll live in your fucking castle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's still the most excited she's been about anything. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, she's a real downer. Yeah. This, yeah. Like this episode in particular, like just all the spark is gone. Downer, Abby. <laughs> yeah. I just need a doll. <laughs> yeah, that scene was actually her best attempt to try and woo him into bed. <laughs> that was well, her being what, seductive. Look what happened to the last guy. She uh, she yeah. can't afford to kill any more potential takers. Right. Yeah. Well, I suppose someone has to fuck somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Up in the small library, I assume. Okay. There's a lot of scenes without convalescing soldiers in them. Yeah. In rooms where convalescing soldiers should be. So I don't know if it's just that the war is nearly over or if they just couldn't pay the extras anymore. Right. Because, like, episodes three, four, they were everywhere. They were playing ping pong. They were yeah. laughing. You'd hear them off screen. 
No, not so much. They're, yeah. they're just wearing very effective sa- uh, well, uh, camouflage. I think. I think <laughs> too bad they didn't like, have they, it they out were, in the uh, out in the trenches. Yeah. Camouflage. They issued their manor house. <laughs> I think yeah. if we're getting it's 1919, it's not a good hospital. <laughs> There's yeah. just less of them. <laughs> <laughs> there, the cameras can't get to six feet underground, <laughs> <laughs> or however deep British people if, are. If uh, James Cameron was on the case, <laughs> they could. <laughs> Two meters underground? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. So uh, McGee is asking if Mrs. Hughes has been feeding Ethel all this time, and Mrs. Hughes tries to fudge it and say she's been supplementing her food. But that was like a lot of food yeah. for a lady and a baby that can't eat solids yet. No. But Mrs. Hughes says Carson made her tell McGee because... Mrs. Hughes was operating under the assumption that McGee wouldn't care because of the baby, which, of course, that's why you were sneaking around. Yeah. But Carson gets super judgy about Ethel doing it with Major Bryant, but McGee cuts him off, and uh, it's kind of a backhanded thing because she's like, that baby's going to make her life miserable. So she's been punished enough already, and like, wow, I guess I'm kind of glad you didn't have that fourth kid. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Jesus. It was a boy. It would have been treated like that. That's true. That's (laughs) true. So McGee wonders if maybe she invites Major Bryant to Downton. Maybe Lord Grantham can prevail on his good nature. But Mrs. Hughes says he doesn't have one to prevail on. Oh! Mm-hmm. Oh! He yeah. got served by Mrs. Son. Hughes. <laughs> Son! She's a cold. lady. It was cold. <laughs> it's true. I mean, but it's true. We've seen Major Bryant. He's in just a complete asshole. Like, with, more with than anyone else that we've seen in the entire series. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, if that baby, that male heir had been born, the only chance he would have had of dying is falling from a pedestal. That would have been <laughs> the only danger he would have been True. in. No, Major Bryant makes Sir Richard Carlyle look like, you know, William. <laughs> <laughs> so Mrs. Hughes and Carson head downstairs, and they, she is pissed at Carson mm-hmm. and is just, like, really bitchy the whole way down. He's all self-righteous. And he says he has no sympathy for someone who can't master a simple two-letter word, no. <laughs> and Carson, make it with the slut shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he really is. Mrs. Hughes is not happy about it. And she's not going to help him with his line, wine delivery. She says, just have Jane serve Lord Grantham. He won't care. And she storms off. Yeah. Yeah. Bam. yeah. Pretty great, Mrs. Hughes, because I hate this subplot. Like, I hate Ethel. Yeah. I hate this whole stupid subplot. I'm J- sad that Mrs. Hughes has been stuck, you know, feeding this woman. Yeah. Like, and that's been her only real plot line the whole right. series. And it's just like, oh. Yeah. For don't. somebody so great to be stuck with Apple. Yeah. <laughs> God, feel really bad for that baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who's been killing it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so baby-like. It's true. Uh, so now we hilariously cut to Lord Grantham eating his solitary luncheon. Yes. Wah, wah. Is Again, it? where's Isis? She could be in there feeding yeah. her table scraps, <laughs> talking uh, talking about the, the cricket teams. This yeah, is we- not the long uh, sought-after Isis episode. No. no. No, we open on a tableau that is entitled The Saddest Earl, <laughs> gazing out the window. So Jane comes in with a tray, and he asks if Carson has abandoned him. Ironically, because <laughs> yeah. he's about to. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just upset because Carson isn't there to pre-chew his food. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah well, you'll know. Ex- excuse me, Carson, but who is a baby bird? <laughs> I'm a baby bird. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, 
Because Jane <laughs> offers him this giant serving dish of like salad or something, mm. and he takes out. I think out... it's actually a meringue. It okay. looks like Mrs. Patmore's raspberry. Yeah, it looks like uh, some right. sort of a pie or tart. Yeah. You know, wh- whatever it is, he just takes a scoop out of it and puts it on his plate, and she takes the rest away. You guys are hungrier just... than I was. <laughs> oh no. man! I'm, well, I'm I mean, hungry. I'm just I'm very watching this right now. <laughs> like that's that's all the food. I could he... eat a pie or a tart. <laughs> I, I, I just assumed it was bangers or mash. <laughs> you think all British people are eating all the time? That's what I when I was bangers there. and mash chips. <laughs> yeah, occasionally I, a little haggis if there's a dreaded Scott around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did they add a third food group that I'm not aware of? <laughs> that is a very short food pyramid. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, so I guess the rationing isn't hitting that hard. Mm-hmm. If he can just like, oh yeah, I'll just take this raspberry. You can throw the rest out. Yeah. Don't don't worry about it. Well, I love that they had to apparently make a whole lunch just for his ass. Like that just yeah. pisses me off mm. uh, as a person with a conscience. <laughs> uh, I didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> I haven't eaten oh. in about three to four hours. I have a huge problem. With it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why is can't it, I get a piece? Is this one of those new Tasto Visions? Oh my God. <laughs> If that ever gets invented, I will be 400 pounds within a month. <laughs> oh, God. I'll just eat three meals from each episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I was yeah. Saying. Just like bacon black <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Bacon burn black. Yeah. Bread, dark beer. I only eat during Tyrion scenes. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's true now. It's this mm-hmm. weird thing. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah, it's a thing of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I can only eat when Peter Dinklage is... <laughs> I have a very specific eating disorder. <laughs> I just have the station agent playing on the feed every time I have a meal. I just watched that one scene from Elf. Yeah, yeah. That's my dietary aid. Oh, yeah. Three minutes of Elf. Oh, I can eat now. Yeah. In any case, Lord Grantham and Jane have a little conversation. He hopes she is happy and that her family situation is all right. Uh, he asks about her son, who is apparently just a mathematical prodigy. I like to call him the mathematical pauper. <laughs> Every time she's talking, I expect she's about to reveal that her husband wasn't married to her. Every time she's talking, I'm I just mean, like, oh, what's going to oh, happen? So you don't doubt that she had like a dude oh, yeah. and a son. You just doubt that they were actually Yeah, it married. wasn't a test tube, baby. It's 1919. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I thought you were thinking that she was making everything up. No, just that they were married. Haven't you seen her demure face? Yeah. <laughs> Those are some DSLs on that demure face. <laughs> Uh, you you just, mean demure soft lips, right? Yeah, that, that is exactly what yeah. I mean. Uh, that's if a, a face like that, seeing that right after coming from war, killing some people, mm-hmm. that, that, there's nothing more attractive than that. When you're at an inn, she's there, she's had two meters to drink. <laughs> she hasn't got quite the score on the SATs that she wanted. Yeah. Some guy's got a war boner, it's got to go somewhere. And you make your move. Yeah. That's her backstory. We're going to find this out. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Wow, that was yeah. elaborate. Have you been thinking about this? <laughs> Is this your fetish? No, I'm just, I'm just reading the subtext. I'm not, even, I'm not even putting any thought into this. This is all this is all Downton Abbey extended universe. This is all pretty clearly happening. Yeah. If you had all paid attention to facial gestures like I have. Which is how you I just can, have to look for the plot lines they're not showing. Yeah, which is how I can tell McGee is doing the face of... Maybe if I do this, people won't suspect I don't have a thought in my head. <laughs> it's true. Carson 
interrupts this little scene and kicks Jane out. Uh, he's worried that she's been talking out of turn, mm. and Lord Grantham takes the blame. He's like, oh, I talked to her. I started it. Yeah, which... Carson's a real dick in that and, Car- and Carson's like, well, don't do it again. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. you know, Major Brian also started it, and he wasn't the one that suffered for it. Mm. So, But he did get to finish. They... hey <laughs> yeah, They true. again cut away right before Carson slaps Lord Grantham. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Red Scott's Downton Abbey. <laughs> it's just, it's only five minutes longer than the current Downton Abbey. <laughs> and, and it doesn't cut away before all of the kisses happening and all of the slapping happening. That's right. the only difference. I'd, uh, I'd still pay some money for that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Down at Bastard House, Mrs. Hughes gives Ethel an update on the situation at the house, and she doesn't think that Lord Grantham knowing about Major Bryant's wandering dick will make a difference to Major Bryant, and that Ethel should probably just like go to a big city and invent a past uh, like Jane has, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think that Veiled this reference. should be uh, a web series called Big Trouble in Little Rippin'. <laughs> also, put some socks on your fucking baby. It's cold. Put some <laughs> socks on that kid. If you have to take like a burlap sack and just, just stick him in the sack, his feet are cold. Just yeah. like on all four limbs? You want socks? No, on his feet. <laughs> That's where you put socks. All four feet? <laughs> I don't. That's Isis. Oh. <laughs> That's kitten mittens. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought you said, when he said baby, I thought about the only thing I cared about on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you and Lord Grandson. You and your baby? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What's up, Who's Isis? Who's a nice little baby? Who's a nice Who's little a good baby Isis? as you are? I'm not putting any socks on your feet because that would be ridiculous. You're a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also in this scene, Mrs. Hughes says that Major Bryant, what Major Bryant did was nothing that every man doesn't want to do out behind the bicycle sheds. Is question, that like, question for the men in the room. How <laughs> often have you done something behind the bicycle sheds? Yeah, I... I'm proud. I'll do it right out in front of the bicycle shed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been, <laughs> Let all the bicycles I've been in the bicycle shed. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Chaining up my bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm supposed to be doing something else there. <laughs> I, I, I was back there uh, reading illicit genre fiction. <laughs> like every young boy. By the way, no, I, that's true. W- when, when she said that, I thought she said bicycle shade. And the only way you would be able to have sex under the shade of a bicycle is if it was one of those bicycles with, like, the giant front wheel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would totally have sex under one of those. (laughs) Ladies. (laughs) Any of you ladies want to see my giant bicycle? IvanHernandez.net. What's more more romantic than the shadow of a penny farthing? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. 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 They drop. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drop. No. Downstairs, Carson tells Bates that he's got a telephone call from his lawyer. How can Bates afford a lawyer? (laughs) So we're all sure it's good news. Anna goes with him. Thomas tells Carson that Lady Mary was looking for him when she got back, so like hours ago, I guess. (laughs) And Carson says, were you planning to keep it a secret all day? And Thomas just like smirks and sits there. But not even to a purpose. It's not even his usual yeah. smirk. Yeah, he's just like... It's like I, his heart's not in it anymore. Yeah, he's just like, ah, I guess I'll be a dick about this, I suppose. <laughs> um, he's just going through the motions of evil at this yeah, point. Yes. Yeah, Which then leads O'Brien to look him dead in the eye and say, I'm going to go get my button box. Is that a metaphor? Did I just I, walk into a one-act play? Like, what right. the fuck? Nothing makes sense. Is yeah. that some sort of sex thing that I don't know about? Uh, like, all uh, I know is that I'm going to start referring to vaginas as button boxes. That was my first thought. I was like, <laughs> did you leave it somewhere? <laughs> Does yours come off? 
Does he accept payment? In, I thought I was way more little. Does he accept payment in buttons? Maybe, <laughs> maybe she has some rare ones that he needs to. In the sparsely occupied soldiers' quarters, I'm just saying. Yep, I'm uh, just saying. Everybody's favorite burn victim tells <laughs> Edith that he's Patrick. You know, Patrick, Patrick. What? Who died on the Titanic in the first episode? No shit. Yeah, Edith has to sit down. Yeah, which is saying a lot because she said in her first scene that it takes a lot to uh, shock her these days. Uh-huh. Yeah. She but, did say that. Yeah, but that'll do it. Yeah, uh, it turns out Patrick came down with a case of plot-convenient amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> horror of horrors, he thought he was a Canadian. <laughs> 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 oh, right. So... So did his amnesia cause him to have a Canadian accent? Like was because like I want if any of our listeners are like neurologists, I want to know if amnesia would affect the speech center of the brain in this way because mm-hmm. I think not. Yeah. I think oh. the knowledge of amnesia in 1919 was probably loose enough that I mean, it could have done look, almost the anything. The knowledge of how long it takes for somebody to lose an accent is keep, not like keep well, in mind Patrick Gordon a is a pioneer. But he is no- a pioneer. This is pre-amnesia daytime television. <laughs> <laughs> He, he could have been the first person oh, to fake a memory they loss. It, they had it in the Penny Dreadfuls. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was known at the time as it is now that if you get hit in the head, you start talking with a Canadian accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I always hit my head twice if I hit my head. To knock, <laughs> to knock it back. Right. Yeah, and then you go a nice southern accent. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think it's funny that when he woke up with that accent, his friends told him his accent was Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> that is the meanest trick to put on somebody. Yeah. If his story's true, uh, he really ought to kick some people in the shins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've been real assholes mm-hmm. to him. Well, we've also got actually interspersed with Patrick telling the whole story that we did get to find out what Bates' lawyer was talking about. Yes. He's, he gets bad news. He, he says, no, of course, I'm not blaming you. It's my fault. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Which, so this is, you know, episode 147 of Bates Takes the Blame. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I can't even, I don't even feel any minimal joy when I see Bates and Anna together because I'm like, this show is not going to let them be together. Like, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't even feel hope. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just feel I feel like uh, just dread. Well, there's that, and we like Anna's one of our favorite characters, right? So like like every scene, you know, like when you guys aren't here, we're like yelling at the TV, like leave, <laughs> run away, <laughs> yeah. go live at bastard house, oh. anything. <laughs> Who are you shipping her with? Nope, herself. Nobody. Yeah. Ah, ah, double Anna <laughs> with us. It's an Anna Anna. <laughs> <laughs> she should go down and be a housemaid for Lady Rosamond. Yeah, she should. That would be awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, Julian Fellows, make this happen. Question. Uh, yeah. No, uh, but actually, O'Brien wasn't going to get her button box. She was going to eavesdrop on them. <gasps> so maybe that's her and Thomas's code word for right. eavesdropping. Oh. Which, if you're, like, maybe make it less obvious when you say it then. Because, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. like, when you say that, it's like, I'm clearly up to no good. Yeah, right. Wink. <laughs> yeah. Plus, like, every... Stop pulling out your Harry Potter yeah. mischief map. Yeah. <laughs> every O'Brien, like, plot point descends from her eavesdropping. Right, but again, in this episode, there's no payoff because she eavesdrops on that because she's been trying to like find out what's going on with the divorce, but yeah. just the last episode, she was feeling all remorseful mm. yeah. for having written to Vera Bates in the first place, letting right. her know where her husband was. So I just, I don't understand. I just feel like Julian Fellows finished the script, turned it in, and somebody was like, uh, O'Brien's not doing anything. And he was like, oh, 
and then he just like gave him like six I, random scenes and was like, here, put these in. He, no, I, or, I, or there was a whole other O'Brien plot line in there and the episode just ran long and they cut it all out. Like there's other scenes where the button box like proves Patrick's seems identity. This episode yeah. seems weirdly edited to me somehow. Yeah. Cause like, uh, well later when, when the whole family is talking about Patrick, it seems like they've all met him at some point and I'm not sure when that happened. Like I just don't know mm. what, the extent of their interactions is with the soldiers but they've all seen him apparently i just imagine the crazed editor and like 18 hours in he's like we're still long and it's like we need to be done he's like i'm just taking out o'brien i'm sick of it i'm just sick of it i watched her dumb face screw people over for 18 hours straight and i'm just cutting her out of this episode and they're just like oh yeah okay no more o'brien Oh, but in any case, Mrs. Vera Bates told the judge that Mr. Bates had paid her for the divorce, which nullifies the divorce. <gasps> and I just don't get your divorce laws. No. Like, if you want to be divorced that bad, what? who is yeah. benefiting? The, isn't this the country where we got King Henry VIII? Like, <laughs> right. Uh, just divorce. It's easier to behead a woman than... Off with their head. <laughs> that's, There's less that's, paperwork with a guillotine. Yeah. yeah. That's that's actually a little foreshadowing right there. Get, get someone French in there and let's do this job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Anna is like, oh, no, we can still be together. Let's leave the country. And I'm like, why don't you leave the country? Uh, right. Go with, to Paris and become a famous dressmaker or something. I'm sure Bates. Coco Chanel needs someone. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> what? With Bates? No. Yeah, with Bates. Ugh! No. He's just going to hold her back. Yeah. He can't keep up. With love. God, he's such a good man. <laughs> <laughs> he's the worst. I'm dreaming about him right now. <laughs> so, uh... I of something disgusting to say. <laughs> have some taste, I'm, Ivan. So you are, can, you can say are, it. We can always edit it oh, out I, I, I if was, it doesn't. I, I was just saying that uh, Red was thinking uh, kind of sexually oh, about, about the, Bates. Oh, about the cane? You know that dick ain't limp? <laughs> I know! It was so disgusting. That's why I didn't want to say it. That was way less disgusting There are ladies listening to this podcast. <laughs> Ladies, do you know how many tea cups just fell to the floor? Do you know how many monocles just popped off? <laughs> we did once make someone drop her teacup. <laughs> God. I, I would have loved to have seen that on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Somebody think, make a video uh, of that. I want to say it was Cousin Susanna. If I'm wrong, Cousin Susanna, I apologize. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite tweets ever. Yeah. Back up in the ward uh, of... Burn victims. Burn victims. Yeah. Yay. Uh, Patrick tells Edith he was pulled out of the water by 5th Officer Lowe. Uh, if you just want to see Titanic in 3D, as I wish I could do, <laughs> this would be the guy who goes, Is anyone alive out there? Can anyone hear me? Over and over again. That guy. Huh. Canadians only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he got pulled out of the water, and they all thought he was Canadian, because clearly his dental work was Canadian. Right. And his fingerprints. Well, it's because while he was in a coma, he was just whispering Arcade Fire lyrics <laughs> I like the peace in the backseat <laughs> uh, so they shipped him to Montreal which Mike. is the least Canadian part of Canada I'm sorry no I was just gonna say Mike Myers is really underrated <laughs> <laughs> so he took a stand from is SCTV still on the air <laughs> Apparently, Patrick took his name from a gin... (laughs) Okay, I'm done. (laughs) You sure? You good? good. All right. I'm stop. All right. Uh, Apparently, Patrick took his name that he had before from a gin bottle. I want to know which gin, but he doesn't say. Gordon's gin. 
Oh, his last name? Yeah. Oh, I thought he meant his full name. No, his name's Patrick. Well, he said he didn't remember his first name, so uh, I just assumed he found he just a, picked the he found dumbest a full, name he could a think full of. name of a gin. All right, look, I'm not a gin well, drinker. But Patrick thank you. Gordon does sound like the made-up name a Canadian child would make. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Like when he introduces it was Patrick Gordon, I'm like, oh come on, really? You're not even trying. <laughs> Man, I wonder if Gordon's name is Patrick, like it says in tiny letters and an arc on the top. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look in my pocket <laughs> and figure this out. <laughs> So he apparently uh, joined up with Princess Pat's light infantry. Correct. And uh, as an amnesiac, <laughs> rose to the rank of major. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like amnesiacs frequently do. Right. And uh, then he got caught in an explosion. Well, and apparently... one, of the, one of the things he had forgotten, fear. <laughs> <laughs> so he got caught in an explosion, which uh, brought him to his current state. But it did reinstate his memory. Uh, as explosions do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Eve oh. is very tearful, and she asks uh, why he didn't start using his full name when he tried to come to Downton Abbey, and why he didn't write. He doesn't answer that first question, no. which I think is pretty conspicuous. Yes. Because, like, really, if you're trying to run this con, like, you need an airtight story. Like, there's no room for gullible, forgotten middle children. Yeah, you should you know? write it down. Send it to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, also... Airtight. Quick note that he got he was in an explosion at Passchendaele, which I just want to note because I referenced that battle last week, but I pronounced it Paskendale, which is apparently incorrect. You so. are such an asshole. No, Passchendaele. I, I am. I, I, another insinuation that someone is gay. Is he saying? Battle of Passchendaele. You know what, Dale? Anyway. They both get all teary-eyed, and she says she has to go talk to Papa about all this. <laughs> so then she asks if it's hard for him since... <laughs> Thank you, Magnitude. Uh, she asks if it's hard for him since Mary's marrying someone else, which, God, could they not have had a different name for her if nope. her getting married was such a big plot point? Yeah. Anyway, he asks if he loved Mary very much. So I guess he's just now selectively remembering shit. Yeah. Right. I just I feel bad for Edith for being such a gullible, stupid moron. But yeah. anyway, Edith says she's the wrong person to talk to about that. And then he guesses that she, Edith, was the one who really loved him. And then he gets all teary-eyed. And, uh, well, this is quite the kettle of burned fish. Yeah. Yes. Out on the grounds, Mary is once again wheeling Matthew around. Without yeah. a coat. Since, since he likes it so damn much. Damn near riding him. You see her dry humping the handles of that wheelchair? <laughs> Who says it was dry? Ooh. <laughs> well, it was Mary, so I figured it's pretty mm, That's a good point. She's kind of brittle. Yeah. <laughs> As I, I, I've described her before when we were, we've argued about Mary, and uh, I said she looks like a young 80-year-old woman. <laughs> that's my description and of look, Mary. And look, I see what you're saying, but I find 80-year-old women really attractive. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, look, I was expecting you guys to laugh at that. Not <laughs> Do you have to watch Betty White's off their rockers by yourself? When somebody says they find somebody really attractive, every man's um, mind goes to them having sex. And they're just like, Ugh. Yeah. Uh, well, then you're welcome. My, my laugh met my shudder halfway, and maybe, it came out as wow. Maybe the rest of this episode won't be so off color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I doubt that. Strictly RGB from here on out. <laughs> They're talking about Haxby Park and her plans to move there or whatever. Uh, he, <laughs> I don't know. 
Not everything Start a hotel. <laughs> You're not important. That's true. He has to stop so he can see her face. So they, they sit on Ew. one of the... I agree. It's a gross face. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Look, so, when somebody wants to see somebody's face while they do anything, I immediately think of sex. <laughs> I, I think I, the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it right. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> are, 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 are we drawing up legal documents or are we fucking huh? <laughs> turn around <laughs> listen there's nothing sexier than direct unwavering eye contact <laughs> let me look into your soul <laughs> especially when you say it like that yeah exactly everyone likes that <laughs> and then oh, I care about you so much. Let me look into you. <laughs> and then you open one eyelid slightly wider than the other. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, um, if, if anybody can have sex after listening to this podcast, way to go. Well done. Way to go. That's an accomplishment. You are well adjusted. <laughs> Mary tells Carlisle, or tells Matthew that Carlisle wants to steal Carson uh, away from Downton. And says to Matthew that she doesn't have to marry him. She yes, she does. She <laughs> totally does. She told him about her whore kid. Yeah, yeah, she really does. I mean, it's either that or switch countries. Yeah, like, I'm just, look, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it just makes me really mad that mm. she, again, this whole episode, everybody just seems so out of character to me. Yeah. Like, she's just like, oh, I don't have to. So is it the next episode where we find out about the gas link under? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait. Okay, never mind. I totally have to marry him. I, I don't know what I was Excuse you. We're feeding somebody? You're fired. Well, I mean, she has to decide at this point because if Carlisle is going to if Carlisle is gonna make her miserable, like, she's going to be miserable either way and, you know, maybe she'd rather be miserable on her own. All you know? right. I, you know, I don't she know. She and Annika got an apartment in London. <gasps> Man, I, I would watch that show. Have all kind of wacky adventures. Yeah. Well, Mary would because Anna would probably have to stay in the apartment. Right. <laughs> right. She can't be seen but in any case matthew's objections are simply that he would feel that he had been an obstacle to her happiness and he won't allow that he would jump in the river before he would allow that which mary points out that he would not be able to do that unless she pushed him there (laughs) good one mary yeah (laughs) that's their idea of like romantic interplay i'm going to murder you (laughs) i'm going to murder myself no i would have to murder you (laughs) (laughs) Well, and he says that he would, like, leave and, like, move away and never see her again if she didn't marry Richard Carlyle. And then he says he is the cat that walks alone, which apparently... uh, Garfield? It's less creepy. Than it's it actually sounds. a Rudyard Kipling reference. Ah. So Matthews clearly had a lot of free time on his hands to read about white men's burdens. Oh, I thought it was a reference to that one episode of Batman the Animated Series where Catwoman ends the episode by reciting that line. Is, is, there, <laughs> is there another kind of burden? Because they take care of all the lower casts. <laughs> P.S. Cousin Rebecca alerted us a while back that in that scene, Matthew's legs are moving all over the place, mm-hmm. and they totally, like, he's, like, literally, every line, like, he's, like, he's, like... Oh, yeah, like, that, that scene where like, he just crosses his legs. He's, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, excuse me, let me get more comfortable. <laughs> no, and I do, I, that's, that's a real ding. Like, he's yeah. supposed to be paralyzed. Yeah. Like, that's not... That's, somebody would notice. Yeah, maybe maybe the cameraman was assuming that people watching wouldn't be pedantic assholes. <laughs> maybe that's well, he uh, forgot that he lives in the internet he, age. He yeah. forgot that they were shooting this for PBS. <laughs> <laughs>
He's like, what? I thought this was some BBC bullshit. <laughs> so we cut back to the small library where Carlisle is once again spying on Mary and Matthew, but this time with the parent who is uh, actually not interested in still hooking Mary up with Matthew. Right. So he's worried about them uh, still having feelings for each other. So he tells McGee that she needs to bring Lavinia Swire back. Uh, I'm never going to get used to that name. <laughs> yeah. Lavinia Swire. She is an amazing villain in the Harry Potter series, though. <laughs> I, I, really, I really like her. <laughs> yeah, so McGee agrees because she knows that if Mary uh, hooks back up with Matthew, she's not going to have any grandchildren, and it's not like her other two daughters are getting anywhere on that front. No. Right. Also, uh, one's hanging out with cripples and old dudes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and the other one's too hot to date. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, also, Sybil is married to medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, maybe Lavinia's mom also wants grandchildren. Did you consider that at I all? I don't think she has a mom. <sighs> what? I don't. I, I mean, I no. think her mother is dead because no. remember Listen. her father was involved in that whole scandal. Yeah. And Do not know when a man loves a woman very much. <laughs> like she has a mother. <laughs> That's, I meant in the show. Oh. Like, I don't think... I think her mother's been long dead. Right, so she just came over from another show's continuity, so she doesn't need to have a mother in this world. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, cool. It was Sons of Anarchy. Huh. I could see her in that. She was in that. <laughs> yeah. I know, I could see her. <laughs> <laughs> when I tuned my television. Sorry. I couldn't have seen her in that. <laughs> uh, Sybil goes to the garage, where Branson is underneath the car working on it, not in this case wearing his ugly jumpsuit, which you'd think this would be the perfect time. Mm-hmm. And Branson says, hello, nurse. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we haven't done that yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. And they pause as the Animaniacs theme song plays <laughs> for the next two minutes. <sighs> By the way, this entire scene is paying homage to Billy Joel's Uptown Girl video. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. See, I thought you were going to say we have to start paying royalties to the Fox Kids animation block because we reference both Batman the Animated Series and now Animaniacs. <laughs> Rupert Murdoch's got to yeah. wet his beak. No, no, we only <laughs> need to Warner Brothers. Go Warner Brothers. <laughs> all right, all right. WWWB. <laughs> Don't say that. They're going to take this podcast. <laughs> that frog's got ears everywhere. <laughs> That's why he doesn't have any on his head. <laughs> but yeah, Sybil just says that she wishes she knew how an engine worked. And Branson crawls out and offers to give her a little demonstration. I bet pistons. he does. Yeah, but, I'll jump start you. <laughs> uh, but but Sybil says no. That's Edith's territory. Like mm-hmm. I'll teach you. First, it's all about thrusting. <laughs> now, Edith's territory is getting bamboozled by uh, <laughs> pretenders to the throne. Yeah. <laughs> and Branson says that he had thought Sybil was avoiding him, but she says no. She just hasn't come up with an answer yet. Isn't that avoiding someone? Yeah, yeah. That's avoiding someone. I agree. Um, Usually not on Branson's side here, but... Yeah, fair play. But she can't come up with an answer until the war is over, which is just going to be a couple weeks, so she asks him to wait, which... They're nice to schedule wars there. I I never know when wars are going to end as an American. (laughs) It's really nice that they just send out... Yeah, a couple more weeks, don't worry about it. (laughs) Yes, he says that he would wait forever, which I bet he wouldn't. (laughs) Well, uh, have you seen how fine Sybil is? Seriously. I I have. Yeah. Smoking. She's not only, like, the finest woman on the show, yeah. I think she might be the finest woman in England. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to say it. It's a, it's a bold claim. 
I'm Some a breathy, dark-haired, olive-skinned girl. Come please, on. Please send us pictures of people who you think are hotter than civil yeah. and naked. <laughs> Just unclothed, and we will compare. Mm-hmm. Versus our imagination. IvanHernandez.net. <laughs> <laughs> I accept JPEGs, GIFs, and PINGs. <laughs> uh, and a really, really tasteful animated GIFs. Yes. That's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it, though. Uh, all that being said, this is the point where I start yelling at Sybil now to run away. See, yeah. Sybil, Mary, and Anna all in an apartment in London. Why mm-hmm. is this not happening? That's true. But I, uh, I would definitely turn off this shit to watch that show. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, and it's just like Branson just got so creepy. Like, he's gotten so creepy about this. Yeah. Like, no, he's that's... just like, oh, you love me. No, you you love me. That yeah. would actually be... Mary would be the slutty one. Uh-huh. Right? And I guess... Well, Aunt... Sybil's the hot one, then. Yeah. Sybil... Yeah, all right. Yeah. And Anna's the practical one who gets them out of all their misadventures. Oh. Mm-hmm. Let's, Which get this, let's get this going. We We're... can call it made to order. Oh. Whoa. 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 This is too good. Yeah. yeah. And all the right. promotional one sheet is like, Sybil and Mary looking confused, and Anna's like all like... Huh. If you could see me, it would look really cool. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what's that? What's that drawer you're, you're reaching for? You've got you've got 15 spec scripts for spinoffs of Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh yeah, we have to add that to our survey. I just wrote yeah. it down. Thank you. Yeah. 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 No. By the way, since we're here at the conception of the show, we're executive producers. <laughs> <laughs> also, we get 10. percent <laughs> No problem. Actually, we're talking about doing. A, we have come up with a number of Downton Abbey spinoffs, and we're thinking of doing a Downton Abbey spinoff showcase during the hiatus. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. If you guys have an interest in voice acting. I, 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 can, can, can I give you a Downton Abbey spinoff right now? Sure. Uh, Master Bates of the Flying Guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's that... what happened before he got that limp. <laughs> a peerless warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to fill like an hour and a half or two hours with this yeah. shit. Yeah, I can basically do an impression of David Tell. <laughs> and, David Tell comes to Downton Abbey and has the same initials. So. Yeah, up all night, ripping. And then gets kicked out immediately because everything that man says is filthy. <laughs> yeah. And also we'd probably try and plug his TV show, Dave's Old Porn. Oh. <laughs> which is an actual TV show on Showtime. Now we have to go 10% to Showtime. All of our non-existent profits. That's are not really, coming out of our ten percent. Really, nope, nope. That's gross. We got, our own. we got our own. That's gross. I get mine. <laughs> so back out in the courtyard, O'Brien and Thomas are smoking as mystery servants mill about. <laughs> Thomas's old ma Patmore is not as mad as he thought. Which old ma Patmore? That's a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it turns out the black market is a great idea. He yeah. just needs the money for the initial investment, and O'Brien. Definitely not lending him the money. <laughs> she says in no uncertain terms, neither a borrower nor lender be. Yeah. Boom. That's the end. And uh, I have to say I'm on her side. Uh, if I yeah. was her, like, she's known Thomas a good long time. It's like, you know what? Most of our schemes don't work out. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a scheme where actual capital is involved, I'm, I'm out. I'm, just, I'm an amateur schemer. Though I suspect the only idea worse uh, than lending money to Thomas would be to not lend money to Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine this will screw whoever in some way in the future. Could be. Oh, you wanted that kidney? This <laughs> <laughs> Should have lent me some money. We've only found one match. The good news is a coworker of yours. I'm Mr. Barrow? No! <laughs> That's Sergeant Barrow. (laughs) Acting Sergeant, I believe. (laughs) Up in his room, Lord Grantham is modeling his new 
Monte Carlo or tuxedo, as we would call it. Yes, this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that it's casual, only for casual. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is very informal. Yeah. No, it was, uh, we talked about it on an earlier episode. It was invented for like gentlemen's clubs. Mm-hmm. Right. It was, you know, it was like the equivalent of like a sweatsuit. It's, it's called, a, <laughs> it's called a dinner jacket. Hmm? It's called, uh, that's what you, you would call it a dinner jacket because it's just one for like Maybe. at a dinner club. I feel like a dinner jacket is something else actually. That is false. All right. I was literally trying to eBay a dinner jacket earlier today, and I can tell you, and I can tell you what comes up when you search. Okay. The UK. Fair yeah. enough. Because right. they have the good old stuff. <laughs> yeah. They do. I believe it. If anybody listening has a size 40 chest, <laughs> size 34 waist, uh, dinner jacket in excellent condition that they would like to sell to me, uh, Reddit Red Scott. You do realize this is the perfect podcast to do. That. I know. Yeah. Someone really definitely is. has that. That is the only reason I agreed to do this. <laughs> All part of your quest for a tuxedo jacket. Yeah, just Man. a really good one. Not one of those cheap rentals. I'm, no, I'm impressed. You're much fancier yeah. than we are. No, I'm I feel I feel horribly underdressed for this. <laughs> but Bates is being broody and Edith comes in. And says that she has news for Lord Grantham and he had better sit down. Well, excuse me. Let me get my surprise chair. <laughs> Everybody should have one on this yeah. show. Yeah. 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 I bet to himself he was like, I've always wondered what this chair in this room was for. <laughs> now we have now finally tell fa- me the news. Now we have finally found its purpose. Oh, comfortable. <laughs> Mary comes into the dining room to find Carson measuring the play settings with a ruler. <gasps> because Carson doesn't fuck around. No. So she wants to chat with him about coming to Haxby Park with her, and he wants to know uh, what Lord Grantham says. So he says basically that you have to talk to your dad about this before I'll give you an answer. Right. So Carson's just passing the buck on right. this so he can not take responsibility yeah. for his choice. No, yeah. Well, no, it's the opposite. Carson wants to stay the fuck at Downton Abbey, but he's too proper to actually state a preference to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, though, because he does have a stated preference for Lady Mary. Yeah. She's his favorite person. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I he's, just I always ignore when he says that because it's just so dumb. Like, why would you <laughs> like her? She's a terrible person. What do you see in her? Is it those eyebrows? Yeah. I, I guess I could see how uh, a young eighty-year-old woman would be your type, Carson. <laughs> she's so, uh, she's young but doesn't want to fuck anymore. You're lucky you're a guest on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically the only other thing I have here is that Mary is just like a Stepford wife through this whole thing. Because she's just going through all the motions. Because she's like, oh, yeah, like, do you want to live at Haspy Park? She's like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems fine to me. <laughs> seems kind of seems Haxby to me. <laughs> Not that original. True. Patrick's downstairs drinking a flask uh, when Lord Grantham yeah. comes up behind him. Says that he wishes that he had spoken. He, he wishes that Patrick had spoken to him first. Rather than his no good daughter Edith, um, <laughs> he's very skeptical. He wants to know more. Patrick produces a written copy of his story that he has made to send to his lawyers to check, uh, grimacing in pain as he reaches for the written copy. Wasn't grimacing yeah. when he was macking on Edith. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. that is true. But he's he's changed his game. He also addresses Lord Grantham as Robert, <laughs> and Lord Grantham does his best chicken. Just <gasps> yeah, <laughs> his. his- <laughs> His, like, chest explodes forward. <laughs> Feathers thoroughly ruffled. <laughs> yeah, you saw when he started, like, pacing around yeah. the room. <laughs> yeah, he just started kicking up dust yeah. behind him. His legs. He's like, no, it's called my Christian name since 1872. <laughs> no, if you'll excuse me, I need to pick at the seed. <laughs> so he switches to Lord Grantham after that. Yeah. Um, 
he then makes a weird gesture, like brushing off his lip or something. And yeah, what, the f- what is that? What was that? Yeah. What was that and why did it matter? No, no, no. Lord Grantham asks, where did you learn to do that? And I infer that it's a gesture that Patrick did yeah, frequently. It was, like it was, it was a apparently a habitual gesture of Patrick. Ah. And so now the seeds of doubt have been uh, planted in Lord Grantham's mind. Because he's clearly up until this point been like, oh, yeah, you're totally not my, yeah. my nephew. Well, even then, when he says, where did you learn how to do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. He's still assuming it's an imposter. He's just like, wow, you're a very well-informed imposter. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. So why hasn't, why hasn't any character, and I'm not saying it'd be necessarily, I could see that it breaks like, decorum or whatever why hasn't anybody just straight up grilled this dude just be like i think it's the decorum yeah yeah uh, i just, think it's but it's, somebody would like i just um well, that's why servants they have, that's well, why they have lawyers i mean yeah that's I mean, why they have lawyers that's why they have decorum. lawyers and lord grant i mean he's not inheriting yet like he hasn't actually gotten any they haven't given him anything right Lord Grantham's not acknowledging him as his heir or anything like that so there's you know he's he's waiting to see how things shake out yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah, hang, hang left or right. Come on, tell me. Yeah. Uh, at the Dower House, Isabel is there with Violet, and Violet starts like dropping horrible alternate causes to tempt Isabel away from her yeah. Downton Lecture series. And finally, the plight of the many refugees scattered all across Europe uh, strikes a chord with Isabel, who's really dumb this episode. Yeah, like, yeah well, she's this scene so in particular, stupid. like... Because Violet doesn't even do a good job. Like, she's being totally obvious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, anyway. That, that, this is the scene where I decided she had Asperger's. Because I was like, <laughs> yeah. if you missed what just happened there, there's yeah, like something yeah. wrong with you. Yeah. But anyway, Violet lies and says that some organizer with the refugees specifically said Isabel would be well suited to the position. Mm, right. Yeah. And Isabel's all like, oh, great. I am well suited to things. Yeah. Which, I mean, given, like, her previous job was at the Wounded and Missing Inquirer Bureau, which would, in fact, lead naturally to working with refugees because it's all about making connections and tracking people down and all that sort of thing. And also having Asperger's should be very focused. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And driven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whenever they mention refugees in this, I always imagine that there are no refugees and there's just, like, a dude from Cardiff with appendicitis. (laughs) (laughs) You really need some medical attention. Only you can give it. <laughs> I need to get back to the rift. <laughs> some of you will laugh at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Torchwood reference, isn't it? And a Doctor it, Who reference. And a Doctor Who reference. It's a double, so, yeah. it's a double reference. Double whammy. That's right. Double your pleasure. Mm-hmm. Double your rift. Anyway, Isabel promises she'll think about the refugees and wants to know if Violet will be at the dinner at the big house tonight because Robert sent a very insistent note that she'd be there. Very insistent. Yes. And also in this, as she's heading out, we get to see actually a dowager servant, which is just about the first time we I ever th- yeah, have. Yeah, it must be yeah. either a footman or a butler. Yeah, which I, I would like to see more of the dowager servants because I would like to see how Maggie Smith treats them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't get to. Showering them with praise. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. Bates is dressing Lord Grantham. Mary comes in and asks him about Carson. And he he gets very all, you know, butthurt about everything. And he's like, oh, well, everybody leaves it up to me. I can't say no now. Like, my life is so hard, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I have to eat lunch by myself. <laughs> Occasionally I'm interrupted while reading the newspaper in my giant library. One of my employees might leave. It's just... Well, he does tell her it's very ill-bred to steal other people's servants. That's true. Yeah. Although he's the one who bred her. So <laughs> yeah. what does that say about you? Yeah. Mm. And, I, and I have to say, she's very presumptive. Like, it's like, I feel like their conversation is like a chess game where people who don't play are looking at the board like, oh, man, it's just getting started. And they're just like, nope, 
Yeah. Checkmate. <laughs> and then like, yeah, checkmate. There's <laughs> Yeah. You just moved a pawn. Like <laughs> and That's so she's the, like, uh, thank the you. Mary Crawley promise. Thank you, yeah. Daddy. <laughs> I've stolen your servant now. Yep. I mean he's fairly dumb. <laughs> not that hard to get around. We've made an exhaustive study and he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. And breeding does that. Yeah. The bicycle shed. Yeah. <laughs> Behind which he was created. <laughs> <laughs> oh Dowager Countess. Lord Grantham gathers everyone into the library and tells them about Patrick. <gasps> yeah. Edith is 100% convinced. Lord Grantham is very skeptical. Mary is flat out angry. Right. Like, she just starts yelling immediately. Richard Carlyle is jealous because he's jealous of everyone and everything, apparently. He's been jealous of Matthew and Carson and now this ugly burn victim. Right. I'm I'm on his side very briefly here because he... Like, when you find out, oh, you know, my fiancé... Was engaged to this other dude that nobody told me about? Like, that's a jarring thing. Yeah. That's something you yeah. wish you would have been told outside of her family being, like, announced to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Mary did not want to marry Patrick. Right. Even before. Like, when he was no. not a Canadian burn victim. She was... She still yeah. was not into yeah. him. So, I don't so think... His prospects have not improved. <laughs> yeah. No. By the way, like, when someone asks... Also, like, he's a Where was alcoholic. he? He was in Canada, suffering from amnesia. That's the same excuse that, like, an alcoholic dad gives for missing Christmas. (laughs) I was in Canada. I had amnesia. I couldn't do anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) Then how can you remember to tell me, Dad? (laughs) I went under the name Jack Daniels. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Matthew, on the other hand, is just super bitter. He's like, oh, I won't be Earl of Grantham. But that's fine, because his dick probably works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which which he has a point. The (sighs) only... The only job an Earl has is to father a son. Yeah. So I just want Matthew to finally go to his true calling, shave his head, share his superpowers, and start a school for the gifted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is that? Is that four? Yeah. Number four. four. Number four. Uh, that's, that's all I want from Matthew. <laughs> it's just when when he says, "Look." Sybil, would you be a deer and wheel me out? It's so hard to make a dramatic entrance uh, with a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. Exit. Yeah. I wish he'd flipped it. I wish he'd flipped his hair back. Yeah. Uh, Sybil, could you wheel me out and be impudent about it? <laughs> yeah. I forget what the, somebody says, but Mary says that Patrick doesn't look like anything. Right. Uh, I like to correct her. He actually looks like those pig people in that Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> I am the beholder. He looks exactly like those people. And the patient with the bandages. He's doing a whole mashup thing. Wow. Yeah. I guess if you rotated the head 90 degrees, it kind of looks like the pig people. <laughs> Look at his ear and pretend that's the nose. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. okay. And just turn left, and gotcha. then you're like, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, was going to make the obvious joke, a poorly done mummy. <laughs> Moving on. No, it's, it's a mummy that, is, that they just got started on that mummy. <laughs> you know, come back in a few hours. Yeah, they got like halfway mummy. through pulling the brain out of the nose, and they <laughs> right. were just like, this is too much work. <laughs> I'm taking a break. I'm going to go eat some honey and play with some cats. That's what they did in Egypt, right? <laughs> I assume that's just what they did in Egypt all the time. I don't know. We forgot to watch the Ten Commandments on Easter. <laughs> I seem to recall they had some sort of stick-throwing game. Yeah. <laughs> Throw the stick at the Jew? <laughs> Is that the game they played in Egypt? Well, not after the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. That's why they didn't want him to leave. <laughs> that's the Seventh Commandment. There goes our national pastime out into the desert. <laughs> 
This is the most upsetting episode of this podcast ever. <laughs> On so many levels. Don't worry, nobody will ask for us back. <laughs> Up in McGee's room, Mrs. Hughes comes in and informs her that she has heard back from the Bryant family, but not from Major Bryant, because he's dead. Mm-hmm. He died in the Battle of Vittorio Veneto, which was the last battle on the Italian front. O'Brien is there, and again, sort of just like eavesdrops for no reason, and... Trying to butt in, but then, yeah. like, she asks if it was the Major Bryant that Ethel was so fond of, and then McGee cryptically says... Altogether or, or, too fond or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like he was too good looking. Yeah. yeah. She makes what the she, face that Red is making that you can't see. We <laughs> yes. should probably take a picture of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, she thinks she's being cryptic when she's, in fact, saying yes. It's uh, Yeah. Like, anyway. McGee, this is your one false note this episode. You're on yeah. notice. <laughs> Jane winds up in the library alone with Lord Grantham, and he's like, we've got to stop meeting like this. Uh, anyway, he's just actually being pensive in front of his fireplace, no doubt thinking of his Ooh. ugly, ugly Why else would you have a no, fireplace? He's just, he's just thinking of his dog and being sad that the dog's not around. <laughs> he keeps taking my dog. Uh, so he tells Jane not to mind him, and then he goes up to bed. So that's that's the whole scene, everybody. Julian <laughs> Fellows thought it was worth having nothing for O'Brien to do to get that scene in there. I think that's worth it. <laughs> Here's her. And We're one step closer now to we go unraveling li- Jane. Now we go live to O'Brien not being a bitch, O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> Outside, Edith and Patrick are walking along. Edith updates him on everybody's skepticism. Um, he points off at this uh, sort of Greek ruin thing. He says he remembers that, which apparently also they just remembered that in this episode because we saw this like in the first two episodes and then we didn't see it for years. And now it's all over this There's episode. There's been a war, Tom. <laughs> now, now that the <laughs> They're rationing their Doric columns. <laughs> <laughs> the Doric columns were off at the front for the last few years. <laughs> They're back now. Um, and they've seen horrors you wouldn't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> they've come back to convalesce. Yeah. Um, they came back with trench foot. <laughs> I got trench. I got a bad case of trench column, <laughs> which is also what I call gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> bad case of the trench column, guys. Listen, calm. Stop talking. You're not helping yourself. <laughs> You're a very talkative calm. <laughs> <laughs> we said it's war because it was so loud. <laughs> you finally uh, got some sleep in this, <laughs> in this weird Greek ruin that we're apparently sleeping in. <laughs> you're in your architecture column. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, this isn't the view. Oh, <laughs> this God. is a facade. <laughs> I love anthropomorphication, you guys. <laughs> It's almost like it's a real person, this call. <laughs> he says uh, something along the lines of, oh, I remember this. Wasn't there some governess that none of you liked? And she says, shall we act it out? <laughs> no, and she's like, Fräulein Kunkel. And he's like, oh, Fräulein Kunkel. Except he, yeah, says it, he says yeah. it with a German accent, which makes Edith think he oh. actually remembers right. who it is. <laughs> yeah, because that's... And yeah. this is really, Fra- for Fra- me personally, this is where it really falls. I'm like, come the fuck on, Edith. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Fra- like, I wish you would have just been like, right, the Irish woman who, <laughs> who married that German guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, wish that had happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, but he says she hasn't changed. 
and he's changed, but maybe later after everything's settled, they can talk again, which I guess means they can get married. Yeah, yeah. which let me just say. I'm pretty sure been, it involves a bike shit. We've been accused of hating Edith, but let's be clear who hates Edith is Julian Fellows. Yeah. Because her three love interests have been Anthony Strahlin, that farmer, and this Canadian burn victim imposter, and well, spoiler alert, all three of them leave her. She gets dumped by yeah. three progressively uglier people mm-hmm. well, through the she, course of the series. I, yeah, he ruined her with compassion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are the only guys that are in her league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugly, compassionate <laughs> abandoners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, look, they're outside. Match how I feel on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Poor Edith. So I guess I guess a lot of people hate Edith. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. uh, Ethel wants to know uh, from Mrs. Hughes down at Bastard House if McGee told Major Bryant's family about the baby, which it's not all about you, Ethel, but Mrs. Hughes says no, and that even if Ethel wrote and told the family about this baby, she has no proof, and even if he was still alive, she wouldn't have any proof. Like, right. there's no. no Maury, you know? You yeah. can't you can't <laughs> be like, this World War One veteran fathered my baby! Also, this is pre-DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why everybody doesn't just counterfeit everything. Hey, look, it's yeah. a birth certificate. You can tell. Because of that honor that that Mr. Bates has that you like so much. Um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ethel complains again about how everybody loves Jane and nobody loves her. And I'm like, shut up. We already talked about this in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. And it sounded way better coming out of Mrs. Hughes's mouth than it sounds coming <laughs> out of yours. Also, we hate Ethel. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've made that clear, right. but we <laughs> yeah. can't stand her. Yeah. Right, because she's not currently lying about her husband, unlike Jane. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why. Yeah. I, I admire her moxie. <laughs> Jane is such a liar. <laughs> I want every cousin who supports my Jane is a liar theory to write in <laughs> and say that they hate Scottish people. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't really relate to the Jane. You thing. might want to. You might want to just keep it to one because yeah. I'm not okay, sure just, how much overlap on that <laughs> yeah. diagram the there is. <laughs> just write in and say that the Jane theory has we, merits we, and point them to the forum where everybody's talking. Can about Can we call it. you guys the Jaders? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, you can. <laughs> In the foyer or wherever, uh, heading upstairs, Carlisle. Uh, oh, that's right. Carson is ringing the dressing gong. So wherever they keep the dressing gong. By the staircase. Yeah. Did you say reamed the dressing gong? <laughs> well, I didn't intend to. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, back on track. It's funny how they say ringing it when he's clearly beating it. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is true. He is beating it. Carlisle asks Carson to put him on the 9 o'clock train to London in the morning. Apparently, Mr. Bates will also be taking it. And he asks Carlisle, Carson asks Carlisle if it would be all right if Mr. Bates rides in the front with the chauffeur, which if Carlisle said no, would Mr. Bates, I guess he would just walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah. I guess that would be it. He could jump on the back of that hay cart again. <laughs> That's true. Carlisle asks Carson if he has made a decision yet about coming to Hexby Park. He has not, but he agrees that he will give him an answer when he returns on the 10th. Mary comes in at the end of this and they go upstairs together as the indifferently happy couple that they are. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they never seem to have any sort of physical pull toward each other at all. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, you're here. I mean, Mary's clearly just kind of marrying him because she, like, doesn't have a hobby. Right. You know? but, <laughs> yeah. like, if she took know. up knitting, he'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she sort of agrees to marry people with a, like, petulant distaste of a 13-year-old who's been mm-hmm. cl- uh, told to clean the room. Mm-hmm. 
If you don't go, we're not going to be asking that. Fine. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll marry, marry you. this guy. God, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> uh, it's just going to be a loveless marriage. <laughs> Never going to love him. So up in Lord Grantham's dressing room, Bates is now asking Lord Grantham if he can go to London, which, okay. I guess I just felt like he should have asked Lord Grantham before he asked Carson, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Lord Grantham says yes and asks sort of if Bates is going to deal with the former Mrs. Bates. Yeah. And they make a bunch of like wordplay jokes about, oh, I wish she was the late Mrs. Bates. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Bates is very upset. And you can, I mean, you can see this yeah. is the first time that he's looked really angry. Yeah. yeah. He's, got, he's got a shovel grabbing face on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so Lord Grantham, you know, tries to caution him not to lose his temper when uh, when he goes. Then we cut. And through. he almost glocks Lord Grantham in the face. Like, <laughs> Don't you fucking talk down to me. Bam. That, that's what his face so looks like. So tune in for Red Scott's Downton Abbey for the extended scene. <laughs> yeah. They Everyone's cut away. just punching him fucking. <laughs> they cut away one second before he punches him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really just game of Downton. Game of Downton. <laughs> Anyway, then we get another shot of Ethel just holding her baby and crying because everyone cares about that. Mm-hmm. Moving on. <laughs> they had all this B-roll of a crying baby <laughs> somewhere. No, the, the, the baby, baby was fine. He had a toy. Yeah, he was She was it. crying. Oh, true, true. She's was like, oh. That baby was like, this piece of wood is the greatest invention that humanity has come up with yet. <laughs> as far like, as that baby's And concerned. not to be a total Carson about it, but this girl's got it way better than most girls that have an out-of-wedlock baby. Like, most of them don't have Mrs. Hughes bringing them food Oh, yeah. She's super catty about it. Yeah. Like, aren't you happy that you don't have to be a prostitute yet? Because that day is coming. She has her own house. She's already doing better than me. I I live with three dudes. (laughs) She might be living with three dudes. We don't know. True, true. Got to pay attention to to the storylines that don't make it on. Right. (laughs) It's like jazz. You got to pay attention to the story that's not being played. (laughs) No, it's just it's it's the new girl circa 1918. <laughs> Only way more depressing. I already find that show very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Down in these servants' kitchen, they're all having a political discussion, like they do. It's a bad idea. Um, yeah. Carson is skeptical that Germany will become a republic after the war. He says that monarchy is the lifeblood of Europe, which is true. Holy crap! I just got back from England. <laughs> yeah, they freaking love those stupid monarchs. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked. I like. I always thought that it was. I, I just never believed you that they were they so. You thought they ironically exam- still had a monarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were hipster monarch havers, but no. Do you know how many people that I ran into this statistic many times? I think it's made up because there's no way it's true. But do you know how many people watched the Kate and what's his face wedding? Like millions. Uh no, like two billion. Wow. Like a quarter of the people on the planet watched that wedding. What? Anybody? Anybody in here? What? Nope. nope. No. I don't get up that early. No. Yeah. Well, there's not even for my own wedding. Not even. <laughs> not even for hats. No. <laughs> Why? Well, when I'm we have the internet. I'm planning regicide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I obviously didn't watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. I, I <laughs> what? Some people have regicidal tendencies. <laughs> Next episode of Boris Gorn's Swords will be broadcast from the Tower of London. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, after Interpol gets their hands on me, I won't be able to do that many more podcasts. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, do you know how excited Ivan would be in the telephone? Oh man, oh man, check out this huge sword, guys. This is great. Oh, oh this is where they kill those kids in Richard the Third. Oh my god. Guys, look how kick ass I look in this armor. <laughs> I, I don't have that much range of movement, but I don't need it when I look this cool. Does the Tower of London figure into any uh, DC or Marvel comics? <laughs> Yes, it recently figured into Flashpoint, during which the Amazons laid waste to all of England and killed all of the men. And why am I talking about Flashpoint? It was a terrible crossover. Yeah. It led to the New 52, which are all ship books except for Animal Man, Swamp Thing, and Batman. You heard it here first. It's true. Every Actually, New last. 52 sh- book is shit except for Animal Man, Swamp Thing, and Batman. That was the closest thing Ivan's ever had to a war flashback. <laughs> Where am I? I? There, man. I read that Mr. <laughs> Terrific ongoing series. It was awful. I got to that last page of Detective Comics where the Joker gets his face cut off, and I was like, fuck this noise. <laughs> Did you read anything of Batgirl? Uh, no. It's awful. I, it's awful. They took her out of the wheelchair. I don't read things that upset me. <laughs> Yeah, you shouldn't read any of that no. shit then. Um, in any case, so I'm just saying, Branson, Car- Carson's right. Branson also <laughs> not a fan of kings. Mm-hmm. He says that kings and emperors have had their day. The 20s will be the decade of the chauffeur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anna and Bates not talking politics, talking about why Bates is going down to confront Vera and what is he going to say that's any different? Shovel face. <laughs> <laughs> And he says, well, staying up here isn't helping anything. O'Brien, uh, again, just eavesdrops, just in case that well, might come in Well, she's trying to insinuate later. herself into the conversation. And Anna gets a great Bates-worthy zinger. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because uh, Bates is saying, oh, I have some business. And O'Brien's like, oh, your business is not doing very well. And Anna's like, the key to business is minding your own. <laughs> that was a great one. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Don't fuck with Anna. She knows where, the, where, she where, knows where Mr. Pamuk's body is. Where did yeah. she find that Donald Trump's book of zingers? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and then they cut away from this seller. scene right before Anna kisses Miss O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> and then Anna's face starts to shrivel up yeah. and disintegrate into dust. It's just like that scene from Mad Men. Oh, you want it so bad, don't you, Miss O'Brien? <laughs> <laughs> who's, sing- who's singing Zooby Zooby Sue in the scenario? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're welcome for that, earworm, everybody. Daisy. Daisy singing it. Zoopy soopy soop. Lord Grantham then comes into the room, startling everybody, as he's not supposed to go down there, but he announces that the war is over. Yay. And well Except that it's not. Yeah, it's going it. to be over shortly. Yeah, I thought that too, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we end the war the British way with a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The timetable has been set, and it will be 11 o'clock on November 11th. Well, we don't want to r- mess with the trains. <laughs> right. They, don't, <laughs> they already had some battles scheduled, and they can't cancel them, because no. everybody's all excited. Plus if, we, uh, plus, if we cancel the war now, it's going to ruin my ability to get back to London. Wouldn't you, I mean, wouldn't you just, like, isn't that, like, senioritis at that point, if yeah. you're a soldier, and you're like, okay, wait, they schedule a fucking armistice? I'm not going. What are you going to, I'm yeah. not going. 
go ahead, shoot me for cowardice. I don't care. Yeah. I would rather get shot here by you being a dick. Well, that's, that person that would be halfway through that sentence, and then somebody next to him, bam! Yeah, I've see, always wanted to shoot that guy. I was, well, I was just <laughs> about to say that's mostly true, but there was also a fair number of people who are like, "You mean I've only got twelve hours to kill people without consequences? I'm killing as many people mm. as I can in these last twelve hours before I have to go back to my boring non-killing." That's life. true. That's how it, yeah. I always feel that way. Like in the half hour before I have to leave a buffet, so. <laughs> Yeah, I kill hella people at buffets. <laughs> <laughs> Snapping necks, man. Snapping necks. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's my crouton. <laughs> you get away from those steam muscles. <laughs> wow, you get a way nicer buffets than I do. <laughs> yeah, we're talking like some like soup plantation, some like fresh choice bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I just all I I only go to buffets the... in landlocked states. So <laughs> yeah. you're over here at the Bellagio. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if I'm going to eat myself into a coma, it's going to be an expensive coma. <laughs> Back down at Crawley House, Isabel apologizes to McGee and the Dowager Countess because she has to abandon her project at Downton to go help with the plight of the refugees. McGee and Dowager Countess pretend it's a big deal, and Isabel continues to pretend that she's totally gullible and mm-hmm. apparently has Asperger's. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Maggie Smith also, again, brings Mosley into the conversation for no reason. I... I think that I think that she's kind of got a little thing for Mosley. Yeah. That's what I think. He's almost age appropriate. Mm. Well, and I mean, you know, she's. I mean, he's young for her, but like that's great. She's like, yeah, a younger man. Yeah, man, she's a feminist. Still got most of his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Working out. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, likes to read. Like the thing about <laughs> someone being age appropriate for Maggie Smith is if you take half her age plus two, that's still like seventy five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's still just her and Michael Caine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that your rule, half your age plus two? Is that... Uh, that's half your a age rule. plus... I, I, don't I mean, I don't reserve plus seven. Is that for everybody or is that just your, for Maggie Smith? No, that, that sounds like I think a problematic that's just for rule. Maggie okay. Smith. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like... Uh, Maggie Smith. I think that only... It, I thought I that was that's the Cuban only a version. for when you're such an old weirdo that you need to have a rule. <laughs> well, I think I think it's, it's half your age plus seven minus a year per Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Are you dating a 13-year-old? It's fine. It's Maggie Smith. <laughs> <laughs> On the way home, McGee wonders if Isabel is actually going to be accomplishing anything or if, like, what, did they just send her off, like... They just sent her off to a room with no doors and no windows. <laughs> right. Oh. They're just like, oh, we hear there's some refugees in uh, Belgium. Try yeah. Belgium. I like to think of her as like the fun preschool teacher. Like that's what Isabel brings to the table. She's going to take her guitar and Uh, be like, let's all sing folk songs. No, not the ones you know, refugees. uh, My folk songs. uh, London Bridge is falling down. uh, A bridge is falling down. Fuck. No, it's just a song. I like that plan. Thanks. It's my plan. Yeah, apparently the uh, Dowager Countess had to uh, lay down some money to make this all happen. But But money is no object when it comes to thwarting Isabel. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she just, like, pulled, like, 500 pounds out of the brim of her hat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just handed it to some greasy palm. (laughs) (laughs) But Minji thanks her without irony, and the Dowager Countess accepts it without irony, Mm -hmm. and they both enjoy each other's company, which is something that they didn't used to ever do. So that's Mm -hmm. nice for them. It's lovely. It's funny how the death of an heir will bring people together. (laughs) Hey, speaking of dead heirs... Uh, Edith reassures fake Patrick. I think we can call him fake Patrick at this point. I think so. Uh, 
that lawyers take forever to do anything so they can charge more. And that's why they haven't heard back from, uh, what's his fuzz in London? Yeah. Mason? Mosley? What's his name? Murray. 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 Oh, I can never I, remember his name. I'm disappointed that we didn't get to see you him. Mean, you mean the English Wolford Brimley fr- franchisee? Uh, if you mean I am the walrus, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, he says he knows the others don't believe him or recognize him, and then he gets really angry, and he almost knocks over a table, which yeah. I'm sure he would That was the done. most impotent table knockover. Well, it didn't even knock the dishes off. Yeah. I, think, I think he's missing a hand. <laughs> so I think that might have some... But in like, and Sybil and the other you know, two extras they were able to retain are, are very... Put out mm-hmm. by his outburst. We were just having. And he, a, he's, he screams, yeah. "I'm a stranger to them!" And I just feel like that that actor practiced that a whole bunch by himself the night <laughs> before. That was Chip Banner. <laughs> uh, Those extras in the back, I was like, most uh, impotent of Banner family, <laughs> the impotent Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk poke. <laughs> Hulk unfriend on Facebook. <laughs> O'Brien finally shares the results of some eavesdropping, saying that she wouldn't be Vera Bates because she saw O'Brien leaving with a face like thunder. <laughs> Thomas says that she should keep out of it. Anna agrees. O'Brien silently disagrees, I assume. Jane has come back from her war widow meeting, which is a thing that exists, yeah. and uh, tries to tell Daisy about it. But Daisy, once again, doesn't want to hear it and... Everybody knows that it was a lie, and she doesn't want to hear otherwise. And then she goes back to her room to listen to Minor Threat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then Bates comes in with a face like thunder. I guess that's what that early. looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he tells Anna that his trip was worse than she could possibly imagine, and he also has a cut on his temple. Yeah. Uh, that which, Mrs. Bates likes it real rough. Yeah. <laughs> And then O'Brien again. We and this is the most egregious. Like it's like, it's like a zoom in on O'Brien being mm. suspicious. Right. Of what, like, there's nothing for her in this in this scheme. Yeah, yeah. you're not in this, Johnny Burns. <laughs> <laughs> the gang is gathered in the little library again. The Murray's report has come back on fake Patrick. Yeah, there are conflicting accounts of there, there was somebody unidentified pulled from the Titanic. Maybe he survived. Maybe he didn't. It's all very unclear. I like how simple Edith is, because despite yeah. the fact that they're all conflicting, she's like, no, this all proves it. Like, it's right, totally, yeah. there's not even... Well, yeah. and after every sentence he reads, either Edith or Mary chimes in. It's like, see, prove it, done, don't go on. Mm-hmm. Like, just she, let she, him finish. There's all, he's got... Murray's put a lot of billable hours into this report. <laughs> Let's hear the whole thing. <laughs> I like that. And Mary also, at this point... Has a great little thing where she's like, oh, what, what does he say? Remember we played in the garden and the pony and how we all hated the governess. What else is there to say about growing up in this house? Yeah. <laughs> and Edith is like, oh. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can tell she's <laughs> taken the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did he do an offensive German accent? Yeah, I bet he did. <laughs> Nothing uh, says Downton Abbey like an offensive German accent. <laughs> uh, so they all head out to dinner. Carlisle is on his way but hasn't arrived yet. And Lord Grantham and Matthew have a moment. He apologizes for not being more definite, uh, but Matthew still wants Freddy Krueger <laughs> to be the heir. Um, they have that great finishing line, that's all I'd ever think of, and then they kiss. Yeah. <laughs> no, right I, after the scene. And then right. Lord Grantham says, oh, where are my manners? Isis, get in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Matthew is Lord Grantham's only true love in this yeah. whole series. Yes, <laughs> that is true. God, I wish I loved anything as much as Lord Grantham loves Matthew. It's just star-crossed lovers. No offense. Uh, none taken. Out in the temple, yeah. Patrick tells Edith that he remembers Peter Gordon. This got brought up in the meeting. There is a Peter Gordon right. Right. 
who is Canadian or something or was in Canada, but he had worked with Patrick. And so would have known a lot of things that Patrick might know. Uh, Anyway, so Patrick says, yes, they were really good friends. And, you know, he's sure they'll find him. And Edith is like, well, I wonder what he'll say if they do. And he's like, what if he joined Princess Pat's light infantry? (laughs) And we're all like, oh, God, just leave. Okay. Like the jig is up, Bernie. Get out of here. But Edith is very upset. She tells him not to not to give up. And, of course, everybody will be convinced eventually that he is who he says he is. And then we have that, like, dramatic last line that he has. Like, oh, they'll find out all right. (laughs) Why does no one read into these things? (laughs) No, she just looks back at the ground. She's like, that probably didn't mean anything. (laughs) Maybe they're just all so conflict averse. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, mm, wouldn't be polite to mention. Keep in mind, this is pre-Batman movies. (laughs) (laughs) True. Nobody nobody knew that was a plot device. (laughs) Down in the Carson cave, Mrs. Hughes walks in, and Carson is paging lovingly through the wine book. And talking about how great the wine cellar of Downton is, which Mrs. Hughes gathers means he has decided that he's going to leave. Mrs. Hughes tells him that she will miss him. Despite the fact that he's been a complete chotch this whole episode. Wait, what does chotch mean? I've never seen that. Uh, oh, really? That must be a, a Midwestern colloquialism. A chotch is like an asshole. I think it's somewhere That's between a, tw- a chode yeah. and, a, and a twat. That is the best slang I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well... The more you know. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go, Ohio. <laughs> so, Mrs. H tells Carson she'll miss him, even though he's been a trash this whole episode. Then they kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, they, they straight up fuck on that desk. Ew, That's what happens. The wine no, book. Well, the wine bam, book. bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Carson just calls her Mrs. Hughes the entire time. Yeah. Oh, Mrs. Hughes, well, you're so good at this. Wouldn't be proper otherwise. I was going to say, uh, up until this point in history, most people did call each other by their honorifics during sex. Oh, God. If my extensive viewing of period dramas has uh, taught me anything. Uh, I thought you were going to say... Oh, you're... eat my pussy, Mr. Darcy. Exactly. That's how I always envision it in my fan fiction. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your extensive sexual history with 90-year-olds. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Just women who look like 90-year-olds. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. there you go. If they were actually 90, that would be gross. <laughs> um, Kelly has a very specific <laughs> fetish for night, knighted 90-year-old uh, World War I veterans. <laughs> <laughs> There's like two of them. <laughs> yes, and they both listen, so I'll thank you. <laughs> not to say anything else about it. <laughs> All right, I won't night block you. <laughs> Yeah. Also, Chach block me. <laughs> yeah. Carson does not say that he will miss Mrs. Hughes, which would have, would have been nice to say that. Uh, he's going to have everything he ever wanted, which is Lady Mary Crawley all to himself. <laughs> I mean, he does say that he'll wis- miss the wine cellar, but not Mrs. Hughes. <laughs> well, he's still mad at her for uh, that crack about the wine delivery. <laughs> anyway, Carlisle finally strolls in. Uh, they finished eating. They're about to go through to the draw- uh, drawing room. And uh, so he strolls in late, along with Lavinia Swire. And the headless humphalump. <laughs> Did you read that Harry Potter side book? <laughs> I have to say, though, that it must have been the most awkward car ride in history, because Mary yeah. specifically stated that he was driving from London. Right. Well, and he says they got held up several times is why they were late. And it's like, so do you or do you not recall that this is the man that shook you like an unwanted baby? Yeah. Out in the garden and like who blackmailed your father? Like, is that all you know? Were you just playing gin rummy the whole time and it was fine? <laughs> that was just half an hour of silence and it was like, hey, remember that time I blackmailed you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, you. Like, the whole purpose of bringing her along 
Like, it must be so awkward to, like, spell it out. Like, hey, I need you to suck this guy's dick so he doesn't bother my wife. <laughs> it's not going to do any good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that... I don't think that... I don't know. Because my assumption is that McGee was corresponding with her and uh, gave her an invitation uh, and kind of sussed out. Again, probably ended up on the editing room floor. But it, w- it would make sense to me that sh- that Lavinia would have expressed an interest or something like that. Because right. McGee may be possibly mentally compromised, but she still knows the rules of etiquette. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Lavinia rolls Matthew into the library. Note that she has taken over wheelchair duty now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that she's, this time she is here to stay, that she's not going to let him drive her away this time. She's staying with him no matter what. She's aged from 16 to 28. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Moral fortitude between yeah. episodes. It's, it's pretty true. Awesome. She's been learning a lot. Sybil and Edith then come on into the drawing room behind them, and you can't really hear it, but if you have the subtitles on, they're having an amusing discussion about the merits of driving. <laughs> Versus the train, Versus which the train. was hilarious. Yeah. But we don't remember it, so we can't recount it. So. Yeah. You guys can continue sitting there humoring us. <laughs> we get a scene of Lord Grantham yelling at McGee for bringing Lavinia back. He's crippled! Don't you have any feelings? It's <laughs> yeah. probably one of my he favorite scenes. He compares it to a modern-day Iphigenia. Yeah. Who, if I you... don't even know that! Okay, Iphigenia uh, was the daughter of... I don't know. I think it was Agamemnon. In the Oresteia, this is there in, are already way too many syllables in these names. Uh, the goddess Athena, I believe, asked Agamemnon to murder Iphigenia to to sacrifice her before the ship sailed to Troy for the Trojan War mm. to ensure uh, a good battle. Mm. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> Apparently nothing good. Because well, that's, you know, that's when I fell asleep, having later. made it further into that story than anyone in history. <laughs> not true. You did not go to acting school. We got all the way through that story. I did not go to acting school. Well done you. <laughs> good call. Yes, you, and Lord Grantham is mad. He says, you know, sometimes you can be curiously unfeeling. Yes, <laughs> says the legendarily sensitive Lord Grantham. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're my first daughter and I love you. <laughs> much as it pains an Englishman to say it. <laughs> Where's Isis? <laughs> I love you, boy. Yes, I do. I love you so much. Let me rub your tummy. Then we get uh, parallel yelling, Mary yelling at Carlisle for bringing Lavinia back. Yeah, the point is everybody feels that this is terrible because they're sentencing Lavinia to a sexless, miserable life as a nursemaid. Right, right. which she seems totally excited yeah. about. <laughs> Not that anybody asked her. To be fair. Uh, do women have opinions? Nah. <laughs> Uh, and Moving on. Carlisle, possibly having his memory refreshed by being around Lavinia, is like, oh yeah, I'm a bad guy, and gets all up in Mary's face, reminds her that he can destroy her at any time, and that if she has any thoughts about throwing him over or ending the engagement or ever crossing him, that she'd better not do it. Uh, then we do get a kiss. Right. Yeah. Uh, kind of a rapey kiss. Yeah. yeah. A very not- unpleasant kiss. And they cut away just before he brings up his pimp cup. <laughs> takes a sip of scissor of scissor it's that new money for you mm. <laughs> uh, so the following morning Edith comes into the patient's ward to find Patrick gone surprise surprise what Sybil says she couldn't stop him but he did leave a vague letter for Edith signed P. Gordon <laughs> which to me is a clear indication of guilt yeah like yeah. if he was really who he said he was he would have been saying his name was Patrick Crawley the whole time right anyway Edith continues to think that he was the real Patrick and that they've 
woefully injured their already injured cousin. Yeah, and that's that's what it is. He was like, you know, I could inherit this vast estate and title, but uh, people are kind of rude to me, so I'm just going to leave. And, <laughs> yeah. You know. you know, he barely even gave it a chance. I, I do not think he will be much of a success as a con man in the yeah. future. No. Anyway, so... Sybil says it was really nice that Edith believed in him, whatever he was, which I think is kind of bullshit. Like, yeah. everybody wins kind of mentality. It but. was really more of a nice thing for Sybil to pretend to believe. That's true. Everybody is gathered around for the uh, sort of... Armistice. Yeah, the observation of the armistice. So is it is it 11 o'clock Greenwich Mean Time, or...? That, uh, yes, well, apparently. In London, isn't that... Well, I'm just saying, time. like, there's people still on the Italian front, right? Like, yeah. you know, they get confused. Ah. What if they stop shooting early? Waka, waka. <laughs> totally on board. In any case, they're commemorating at 11 o'clock Downton time because that's the only time that matters. Lord Grantham instructs everybody to say, <laughs> Ain't no time like Downton time because <laughs> Downton time is very well-mannered. <laughs> uh, Lord Grantham says that everybody should say a silent prayer when the clock strikes 11. You know, standard war praying stuff um i forgot this wasn't monty python for a second when the clock didn't break like i, was, <laughs> I just expected to go to like one second before i just be like bring and like the the pendulum drops out the springs come out and, and then carson does a funny walk <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. somebody tries to buy a parrot i, I was very confused that's yeah. in season three uh, <laughs> Yeah, but we get so we get uh, shots of everybody while the clock is striking eleven. All of them, you know, thinking appropriate somber thoughts, except for McGee, who appears to be thinking, "I wish I knew how to count to 11. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lord Grantham asks everybody to remember that this is not just the end of a long war; it is the dawn of a new age. Which is bad news for him, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like he has proven not well accustomed to change. Yeah, and the the old age is doing pretty well for Lord Grantham. Yeah, so. Lavinia asks Bates to help her help Matthew back to his room. Matthew uh. suddenly goes, my God! And he seems to think he's feeling something. So he yeah. asks Bates as the nearest semi-crippled person. <laughs> right. But then Matthew's like, no, I, I won't say anything about it. Not yeah. until I feel it again. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm like, did you Was, get a boner? That's, that's what yeah. I think I happened. Think, I think it is. The end of the war gave him a boner. Yeah. Like, that is... That's world some, peace. Oh. That's some good armistice thing. <laughs> we, we can only, League of Nations. Mm. We can only have kids if a major war ends. <laughs> <laughs> where there's a few minute window where you can throw hey, down. Luckily for everybody, there's another one coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Carson uh, is talking to Lord Grantham. He compliments the ceremony, which was fine. Sure. And Lord yeah. Grantham wonders... A war has never ended in my no. lifetime, so I don't know what that's like. Yeah. yeah. Desert Storm, man. Um, <laughs> that was a that was a break. We were on a break from Desert Storm. Look, it was very exciting to a sixth grade boy. Well, I was that. much younger than you. They, had, they did have sweet planes. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Grantham wonders if Carson has any doubts about leaving, and he says, not really, that he'll stay until they find a suitable replacement. Lord Grantham says, there's no replacement for you, Carson. And then they kiss. <laughs> Honestly, I thought that Beyonce song should start playing. You must not know about me. You must not know about me. I could have another Carson in a minute. <laughs> It'll yeah. be Carson late, though. Well, actually, all the single Carsons. All the single Carsons. <laughs> yeah, actually. Got me so Carson in love. Got me looking, got me looking so Carson in love. I, I would love to see 
a squad of like 50 Carsons doing the single ladies dance. Oh my yep. god. Yep. Somebody do that now. <laughs> Somebody use the power of computer graphics or the power of art to make that uh, 50 dancing Car- Carsons doing the single ladies dance. It could happen. We have a really accommodating listenership. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god. They Please. made they made our dubstep theme song. Uh-huh. It's true. Awesome. Yeah, actually, it ends with a dramatic shot of the two of them gazing out of their door, reminding everybody that this is the story of the tragedy of white men. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whatever else you may have thought was going on. <sighs> Can't catch a break. <laughs> Speaking of tragedies, downstairs, Carson gives Bates a telegram. He reads it, and then as one does in Downton Abbey, when you get a telegram, he stands up and abruptly walks away, but he does hand the telegram to Anna, so at least she'll know. Why he's behaving this way. Yeah. Thomas wants to know what happened, and she announces that Mr. Bates' wife is now dead. <laughs> yeah. I would, Actually, I would like to so say, go ahead. Well, there was, there was a shot in between there just of Edith holding that letter down by the ruin and crying. It was just. Oh, I thought that was afterward. No. That well, was, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. In any case, there was that shot. Continuity is a bitch. Yeah. This so destroyed my consciousness, I want to read verbatim the note I wrote for this all scene. Right. <laughs> How did this scene. That's all I have. <laughs> and, and then the, I the Edith crying scene? I had an aneurysm. Uh, no, just after wow, the wife is really dead. Well. The, the wife being dead, yeah. I'm uh, much more lucid than I was before. I think, <laughs> I, I think it cleared some stuff out, but that thought is lost to me. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. I'm Canadian. Um, <laughs> How did this scene? <laughs> what did this scene? Yeah. Also, by the way, throughout this episode, Branson's apparently eating with them all the time now. Right. Yeah, which, we miss the old days where he had to eat out in a chauffeur's cottage, and yeah. he wasn't around so much. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and we, we get a shot of the dead corpse of uh, Vera Bates. Yeah. You know, it's, re- it's re- a who corpse. Th- who, show of hands, who thought she was going to wink? <laughs> well, her eyes didn't look that dead to me. No. That was that was no Caldrogo acting. <laughs> oh. That dude was dead. No. He was staring off into a middle distance that only the dead can see. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Vera yeah. Braith, uh, Bates we made on her it. headstone forever a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now is the time uh, when we hand out the Abbey Awards for each episode. Uh, we have. Four different awards that we give out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the first one is the Gibson Girl Award for the character who has done the best fashion-wise. Oh. Uh, I've decided. I thought about. Artist. I thought about giving it to Lord Grantham for busting out the tuxedo. Oh shit, son! Yeah, the tuxedo is <laughs> really nice. I like that as a, a Lord Grantham variant costume. Mm-hmm. But I still got to say, Sybil in that nurse's outfit. She won it last I... week, actually. Yeah, well, for the nurse's outfit. Oh, she can win it already. <laughs> <laughs> She'll win it again and again and again. I was going to say, there's a week she lost it. <laughs> we try to keep it diverse. Why don't you just call this the Sybil Award? Because we don't give her that many awards. All right, yeah. fair enough. She fair should enough. learn to stand with her mouth closed, and then maybe we'll think about it. <laughs> I don't want her to close that mouth. <laughs> anyway, I actually decided to give it to Cousin Isabel, because despite her asinine behavior, she wore a really cute blue necktie sailor suit thing in that last scene. <laughs> and also her evening dress for the big Patrick Gordon announcement was really, really cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for an old lady. So, yeah. So best evasion. We usually have a little debate about this. So right. best, 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 <laughs> best evasion. Oh, okay. Stop while you're ahead with the ethnic, <laughs> yeah. ethnic jokes. Oh, so He's ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so I'll stop an hour and forty five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. So who who had the best evasion? Who avoided something well? Okay, it was obviously it was the mind your business line. That's not really an evasion. That's a confrontation. All right. True. Yeah. Telling her shut up. 
Yeah, the th- where things have gone unspoken. Um, oh. Uh, Lord Grantham has evaded revealing his master plan to get Matthew and Mary together still, despite yeah. <laughs> his broken penis. Yeah, yeah. that's that's true. Uh the saddest break of all. Well, it's not broken as much as it is inactive. <laughs> <laughs> O'Brien evaded making any sense. That's true. I think, uh, I don't know. That's my choice. Oh, no. The, Carson's constant evasion of uh, uh, every time he's asked to make a discussion. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's and he only really says it. Yeah. All right. All yeah. right. Fair play to Carson. Yeah. Fair yeah. play. Best evasion. Carson. Carson. Congratulations, Carson. Carson. Best overbite. We give out best overbite. Okay. Every episode. Uh, this episode, we're going to give it to Sir Richard. Burn victim. No, oh, <laughs> no. I thought about it, but I couldn't really tell. Yeah, with the bandages, we, we weren't sure. It was we, implied. We decided to give it to Sir Richard Carlyle for his aspirational overbite. Right. Nice. It's not there yet, but there's nothing that money can't fix. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. And then the final award is everybody's favorite award. That's right. The Maggie Smith scale of Maggie Smiths, uh, wherein... One Maggie Smith is greater than anything anyone else could possibly have done since the dawn of time to the present. Right, right. Obviously. That's the lowest level. Right. And then a five is just knocking it out of the park. Okay. Right. And she hasn't been doing too good. She's been getting ones and twos like the last couple weeks. Yeah, right. But this week. It was pretty good. This week, I think the whole trucking off a relative to maintain control of your estate while also trading on the fact that uh, she is supposed to go help refugees from a war, which she is not going to end up doing, <laughs> is pretty for Maggie no. Smith. Oh, yeah. that's a for Maggie Smith. Yeah, she yeah. did pretty well. Yeah, we're not I gonna agree. we're not gonna award her the full five this yeah. time because the one liners were a little lacking. Yeah. Right, yeah, she, she didn't have any like more. absolute slam dunk one liners. Yeah, but, or or you know, it was a clear victory to right. get Isabel out of there. But I, it would have been better had she not forgotten. The and organizer's it, name. She should have had a, a lie to back that up. Yeah, yeah. At no point did I hear a narrator's voice go, She's on fire! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the Abbey Awards. Uh, anything else you guys want to address before we before we hang it up? Uh, I just want to say, Sir Richard Carlyle. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to say it's been a joy being on your podcast. No, it's indeed, been fantastic indeed. having you guys. Absolutely. And I enjoy the acoustics and hardwood floors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we got this apartment specifically because we thought one day we might want to do a podcast. <laughs> Appropriate. Yeah. And yeah. Owen, oh, and, and it's been great to have you. And I don't think we mentioned this at the top of the show, but our, our listeners may or may not be aware that we would not be doing this podcast were it not for Boris Gore and Swords. It's true. We're the, mo- so, we're the father podcast. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I always call you the big brother podcast. They're, they're the pod father. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, fine. I concede. Did you forget it's a patriarchal society? <laughs> I never forget Red. Yeah, and, and, podca- and we're coming for you. <laughs> Me and all the Scots. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's <Red's> nightmare. <laughs> I just, just wake up and a bunch of kilted people around. Why <laughs> not so funny now? <laughs> you having to laugh at a haggis on now? Yeah. <laughs> I just have to stay away from soccer games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about does it uh, for this episode. That's right. So uh, until next week, up, up yours, yours downstairs.
that in your pipe and smoke it.
put that in your pipe and smoke it. Oh, oh.